Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio, episode 13 for Thursday, October 1st, 2009. I'm your host, Rich. Uh, the music you just heard was Castlemania. The artist was Am I Evil? If you're interested in downloading that track, you can hit up ocremix.org. Uh, if you want to start, get that number to call in. Let me get it out of the way. 347-324-3541 is the number to uh, contribute to any of tonight's topics or speak or ask questions of any of our guests. A uh, little rundown of tonight's show. Uh, first up, we're going to have the guys from the Deadliest Warrior from Spike TV call in. Uh, Max Geiger and Jeff DeMoline are both going to be calling in at around 11.15. Uh, we'll be talking about Season 2, a uh, little bit of Season 1, and hopefully they'll stick around and... Uh, listen to some of the stuff we got to talk about for the rest of the show. Um, we're going to also do the regular rundown, some MMA news. Of course, the big news being Kimbo Slice. We're going to talk about his fight against Roy Big Country Nelson on Spike TV, as well as a host of other MMA news that have come across my desk this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. It seems that week after week, the topic becomes smaller and smaller just because I get more and more disgusted. But as a fan, I just stick around. So we'll be talking about a little bit about Raw and mostly about WWE stuff. Uh, TNA news may be forthcoming, just trying to figure out what news are going to be covered. Uh, video game news, we'll talk a little bit about Tokyo Game Show, a couple of things going on with the Wii, and also some of the upcoming games over the next few weeks. Uh, movie news, same old shit. S- sequels that I will shit on will definitely part of the, be part of the discussion, as well as some casting news and new movies that are coming out. Um, we will have the roundtable discussion. And, you know, I invite all the listeners to call in and contribute to the roundtable discussion. Um, calls relating to tonight's guests, I would like to start taking calls, preferably towards the end of the interview. That way um, it'll give me a chance to discuss everything with them. And on top of that, it'll allow you guys to put together some questions you'd like to ask if they plan on sticking around to take live calls. Again, if you want to call and talk to the guests, 347-324-3541. Some site news, the MyTake Radio uh, WordPress site is growing every day. Um, I recently put up some video footage of Super Street Fighter 4, and more video footage will be be up tonight. 
I'll also be putting up pictures from the A-Team movie. You'll get to see Quentin Rampage Jackson as uh, B.A. Baracus. That's going to be up there. Some more Street Fi- Super Street Fighter 4 gameplay footage. Um, and a couple of other things. I also want to make an announcement. There's been a new addition to the My Take Radio family. Uh, Slick, one of our regular callers, uh, is going to be one of the new contributing reviewers for the show. Um, he put up the first review already for Batman Arkham Asylum, which you can check out in detail on the My Take Radio website. It's My Take Radio wordpress.com and you can check it out you can comment on his review he will also be calling in hopefully later this evening to discuss the review and just give everybody a little sampling of what he had to discuss I recommend everybody check it out uh, the review was very insightful and it just provided um, a great selling point for an already great game um, he's going to be doing reviews regularly uh, for movies and music, I mean movies and ugh, and video games. You gotta you gotta excuse me. I'm a little nervous just because uh, it's a big deal tonight's show. But anyway, uh, Slick is officially on board, so you can definitely um, ask of him anything you need in terms of games that will be, he will be reviewing regularly, and he will be a regular contributor on the site. Um, that's pretty much this week's site news. And uh, shit. What else did I have? I think that's it. Um, oh, yeah. How can I forget? The Facebook fan page, we are officially up to almost 30 fans on on Facebook. If you haven't had the opportunity, definitely look up My Take Radio on Facebook. Um, I do put up stuff on the fan page uh, relating to the site as well as things relating to upcoming episodes. Um, people can comment on there. I'm also going to be making use of the discussion section to put up questions in there and allow the fans to just contribute to the show from that standpoint. Again, you can look it up on Facebook, just My Take Radio, and you can sign up to be a fan. Um, Some of you, I've been meaning to add you as friends just because a lot of you I know personally. I haven't got a chance to get around to it, and I apologize, but I'll definitely be getting to you, but definitely check that out. And uh, that's it. If anybody wants to uh, call in real quick and get anything off of their chest before uh, the, the fellas call in, you're more than welcome to do so, 347-324-3541. What I may do until they get here, I can actually go into a little bit of the MMA news for this week. Of course, this week's Ultimate Fighter had Kimbo Slice fighting Roy Nelson. Um, I was going to try and be good and not watch the fight. But, unfortunately, the buzz was so great between Twitter, Facebook, and just just people that I know personally that I couldn't escape it because usually I try to watch it either the next day or over the weekend with my girlfriend. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we watch together. But I I couldn't help it. It was was too hard to avoid it. Everybody I talked to was like, are you going to watch the Kimbo fight? Are you ready for the Kimbo fight? What do you think about the Kimbo fight? It was, it w- it was madness. So, of course, I, I watched uh, the majority of the episode. And before I even discuss the Kimbo fight, I have to say that Rampage is the man. His, his comedic timing. I think this is one of the reasons why I think he'll do so well, not just in the A-team, but in movies in general. His, 
his delivery and his comedic timing is so natural, and it do, it's not forced. So, you know, his one-liners and his exchanges with Rashad and his interactions, even with Kimbo, are, you know, just, just top-notch. I mean, I'm not even saying it just from a fan standpoint, but just, you know, real recognizing real. He's, he's just a funny dude. He goes in, and, he, you know, this is a guy that talked about his fighter having titties when the episode, when one of the first few episodes came on. And he didn't call the guy by his name. He literally called the guy titties on the air. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, I want to applaud Rampage definitely for, you know, always be, I, I mean, he brings an, an air of honesty in terms of how he portrays himself on the show. It's not a thing where he's a character. He's actually, you know, it seems that he's that way all the time. In terms of the fight itself, what many of you said was going to happen did happen. Uh, Kimbo's inexperience was severely capitalized on by uh, Roy Nelson. You know, it's just one of those things where Kimbo's stand-up, I think, is, you know, the, the strongest facet of his game. You're talking about a guy who, you know, he has solid hands. The thing that worries me is that, you know, he had a, his jaw tapped already by Seth Petruzzelli, and he actually addressed that recently, and I'll address that later in the broadcast. But, you know, big, uh, big country, as he likes to be called, definitely came in, showed his experience, worked the jab to keep Kimbo away. And, you know, he showed, he showed just veteran technique. But what, the one thing about Kimbo that I have to applaud is the fact that, you know, he, he did not win. I'm not, let's not kid each other. He did not win, but he showed, he showed me something different from his last few fights that were pushed on Elite XC. It was the fact that not only was he work harder, he was looking for more coaching. He was looking for more guidance. He wanted, he wanted his, his, the weaknesses in his game addressed. And, you know, I applaud him for that because that, to me, is, you know, that's a step in the right direction. You know, one of the first things I've always said is that when you could admit that you're not good at something, that's the first step towards improving. You know, he was like, look, my ground game sucks. He was honest, and they were working on his ground game, but I think that he didn't have enough time to fully tweak his ground game, and that was one of the reasons why Roy Nelson definitely capitalized on it because the guy, you know, he's just, for a big guy, he moves remarkably fast. He's, you know, well-rounded, literally and figuratively. One thing I kind of didn't like was that he knew that Kimbo's weakness on the ground, he could just lay there and smother him. And a lot of people were giving Herb Dean shit because Herb Dean, you know, they're saying that Herb Dean kind of let him slide into the second round because Kimbo was getting his ass beat in the first round. But the fact of the matter is that you always have to look at the, at the principal motivation. You've got tons of promotion for this fight. You've got thousands of people, which when I tell you guys later on the number of people that watch this fight, it'll blow your mind. The, you know, you you got to promote it, and nobody was going to tune in and watch this episode to have Kimbo lose in the first round. So, you know, I, I'm more than sure there was some judgment taken by Herb Dean in terms of, oh, man, you know, am I going to have these guys you know, am I going to end this in the first round? Because, you know, a lot of people would be pissed off. Me as a fan, I'd be like, fuck, man. You know, they hyped up this fight, and this was it one round. But, you know, they, they kind of they played the safe card. A lot that I spoke to said, yo, the ref saved his ass. You, you can call it any way you want, but at the end of the day, it's sound 
strategy on the part of the UFC, not only not protecting Kimbo because you know what, he was going to lose, but just protecting the, the integrity of the show by telling people, hey, tune in to see the fight. They didn't really give away that, he, that anybody was going to win or lose. They just worked on the fact that people were, were interested where they, you know, they, they wanted to see what was up with Kimbo Slice because a lot of people, you know, you watch the stuff on YouTube and you're like, wow, this guy's a fucking. I've I've had people at work, actually, a couple of guys at work today. They were like, hey, you know, Kimbo Slice is, um, yo, he his his YouTube videos are insane. You know, I saw him fighting this guy at at a at an airstrip, and he beat the guy's ass. And you know, I applaud them for you know being interested in MMA as a sport. I always try to direct them to see some of his elite XC fights and even see some of the stuff that, you know, this week's episode of the ultimate fighter, not just to, you know, to, to breed more fans for MMA, but just because, you know, people, you know, I don't want them to get the preconceived notion that MMA is all about streets because, you know, they're not jumping on the bandwagon, but definitely coming on board in regards to just being a fan of Kimbo's life, you know, a lot of people go, hey, man, you know, why doesn't he fight these guys like, like he'd be fighting these dudes in the street? And, you know, you have, it's, it's a one thing to, to fight somebody in the street, and it's another thing to fight somebody in a controlled environment. You have more variables in the street to concern yourself with. In Kimbo's case, the, the fights were prearranged. It wasn't like he walked up to a guy and said, yo, man, let's step out. These are guys that, you know, heard about his rep. They wanted a fight. Some money was put on the line. Kimbo came in and beat his ass. One thing I have to give credit to Dana White for was the fact that, you know, he always mentioned, you know, that Kimbo was the toughest guy at the barbecue. It was a, a statement that definitely got under Kimbo's skin. You know, it, I, I'm more than sure something clicked and he's like, you know, why am I going to fight for chump change when I can get, you know, establish myself in a discipline and make the real money? And I think that you know, Kimbo Slice needs to capitalize on all this, this, this not free instruction, but all this popularity, not just to help grow the sport of MMA, but just to become, you know, a more well-rounded fighter. You know, a lot of other camps and a lot of other fighters are probably watching The Ultimate Fighter, and they're like, oh, man, this fucking guy. But, you know, they're seeing that he's humble, he wants to learn, he's easily, you know, he can be coached easily. It's one of those things that... You know, it's helping not just build the integrity of him as a fighter, but just of him as a, as a human being. I really am, you know, surprised, not so much that the UFC pushed Kimbo as just a, you know, as more of a human in terms of, you know, the guy has real emotions. You know, he, you know they actually did a lot of, uh, you know, he told about, you know, all the fights he's had, he's had and, you know, how he's just trying to do this and, make a name for himself. You know, I admire the guy's discipline. It shows that, you know, he's coming in from the streets and, you know, he's just trying to move forward. Um, it looks like, uh, I think the guys are calling in. Let's check it out. You're on the air. Who's this? This is Richard. Is this Richard? Yes, it is. It's Jeff Damon calling from Deadliest Warrior. How are you? Hey, Jeff, what's going on? Not too much, man. I've been looking forward to this. All right. I um I was actually looking at it because uh my caller ID for the switchboard doesn't, you know, I wasn't it, it didn't give me any names or anything, so I have to always ask who's this. So don't oh, take it as a so 
don't take it as a, as a knock against you. Um, <laughs> no offense, man. No worries. Is uh, Max going to call in also, or is he going to wait a little bit, I guess, and chime in afterwards? Oh, wait uh, a minute. I think that might be him. Yeah. Let's find out. He'll be on time. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, how's it going? This is Max Geiger. Hey, Max, what's going on? I got Jeff on the line, and we are ready to rock and roll. Hey, hey far out, man. Good to go. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Max. <laughs> I was uh, out. <laughs> I guess season two, you guys, two starts uh, right now, eh? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, man. Not yet. I got to get a haircut first. <laughs> oh, screw that, dude. Yeah. I, I, go ahead. Well, dude, Before, they called me today. They were like, hey, they said uh, it's time to get a haircut, hippie. So I was like, damn it, man. We'll see. Well, somebody I was going to ask back? you about that. Go ahead. I said I was going to ask uh, Max about about the haircut thing, but uh, we save that towards towards the end because I definitely <laughs> sure, want to hear. Sure. I want to hear about about the, you know Samson having to cut his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no Bible hero yet, man. No Bible hero. <laughs> but working on it, right, Max? Oh God, don't even get me started, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I uh, you, you know, put you guys on, I was talking about the uh, the Ultimate Fighter, which of course, yeah, is, man. Um, a friend, a friend of the network with you guys. And um, just before I, I get into talking about Deadliest Warrior, I'm more than sure you guys caught uh, the fight last night with Kimbo and Roy Nelson. I didn't actually ca- catch it, but I heard a lot about it, and I've seen Kimbo fight before, so I um, could probably make a few comments, but what do you have to say first? Well, I was just saying that, you know, Ki- Kimbo came out on the losing end of the fight, but yeah. you know, I applauded the UFC for uh, I mean, for taking the opportunity to to humanize him because you know a lot of people they got that <laughs> preconceived notion that he fights no, no, on was, YouTube, was, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually uh, tabled the show and was watching it just now. I was like, I better watch it for this. <laughs> There's gonna be questions about it. Um, and they did they did a tremendous job of sort of showing uh, I don't know the strategist inside Kimbo's life. I think that. That's definitely part of it. He definitely went. He definitely went up a lot of notches from being the toughest guy at the barbecue. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I remembered, Kimbo. I caught him on YouTube years ago, and have kind of followed him since. But uh, uh, you know, watching him fight BJ Penn and things like that. I mean, he came across to me as being. Um, I don't know. I mean, from the YouTube fights, Bar Brawler, uh, to, you know, to the Octagon, I thought, to be honest, he looked a little bit awkward in there, but, uh, you know, I see stepped up his game plan. Well, Jeff, you as a, as a martial artist think, you know, I, I actually talked about the, the parallels of, you know, it's one thing for you to get into a fight in the street, you know, because you've got so many variables, but when that cage door closes, the game changes. You know, as a martial artist, do you feel that, the mental game definitely was a bigger factor than his technique, or do you think it was a combination of both? Oh, dude, I got so much to say about this, to be honest. You know, there's actually a biological hindrance against um, human-on-human combat, okay? So when I watch his YouTube videos, and he's at, you know, in his backyard pummeling some dude, I look at his eyes, I look at his stature, and I say, that is a man who is fearless. When he steps into the octagon, I see a man who's hesitant, who's not, re- you know, not extending his uh, full reach in his fist, things of this nature. And what I'm seeing is a guy who's feeling that fear, 
of facing uh, another human in combat. And let's face it, UFC is about as close as you can get to, um, you know, besides war, um, to human-on-human combat. And I think that's what, uh, what he's experiencing for the very first time. Nice. Very well put. Very well put. That's the, that's the science in you coming out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before, before we go off on a tangent, let's, let's, let's talk about Deadliest Warrior, of course. My, my question to you is, you know, who came up with the concept? Was that something that you guys were, 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 had, had been working on, or was it something that you were approached to do? <laughs> um, I'd love to be able to say we took a, you know, we, we came up with that idea ourselves, but no, that <laughs> No, that was Gary every, every angry nerd has had that idea at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Gary. This Terpinian. is true. That was Gary Tarpinian at Morningstar Entertainment's uh, original, uh, uh, you know, idea. But uh, you know, Spike was the only one with enough balls to pick it up. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Nice. And where where did um how did you guys get dragged into the mix? Max, you want to go first? Yeah, sure, man. Um, I actually answered an email. <laughs> are you kidding no I'm not kidding it's like the most ridiculous thing possible um, I totally lucked into it it's totally my golden ticket um, so yeah no no it, it made its way to, uh, there was this email and it made its way through my school's mailing list and they were looking for somebody who could do some on camera computer stuff and so I'm, I'm actually a game designer by trade so I, I know my way around a computer somewhat somewhat um, but at the, same, at the time, I was getting a minor in classics, and they mentioned that they were looking for somebody who was interested in uh, martial arts and ancient warfare. And I'd always been into action films, my roommates had been into martial arts and things like that. And I was working on a really big project about Alexander the Great, and really had like my head wrapped around ancient warfare at the time. And so when the pilot was going to be Spartan versus Ninja, like I jumped at that, and like that's that's how I got involved. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, some friends were like, "Are you sure you didn't come up with this idea? Because this is basically the perfect job for you." So, it's pretty and, serendipitous. And on my side, um, and on my side, um, I was at a, studying at Wayne State University in um, Detroit, um, Michigan, and um, it's a famous school for impact biomechanics or injury biomechanics. And um, when the call came in, they kind of said, well, why don't you have a look at this guy? Because he's got a black belt in Nishinru Karate. He's doing some blast research. And, uh, you know, we think that will fit for the show. And um, so Tim Procrop, the show the showrunner at the time, gave me a call. And he says, you know, what are you doing? Why don't you take a video camera and, uh, you know, talk about what you do every day and show us the lab. And, um, you know, we'll see if you, we like you. And they kind of said, yeah, he's okay. But we'll take him. <laughs> He's okay. Wow, you weren't even you weren't even given a shot. You're like, eh, he'll do. <laughs> that was basically it. I swear to God. No, yeah, I, got, I was I got reading it. You know, you were... They dragged That's me in for a camera it. test, and they were like, "It's a little nerdy, but we can cut it down. We can work with it." <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's messed up, you know. But I mean, it's it, it's a blessing because you know I, I definitely applaud you guys for just you know taking an everyman approach and getting lucky. You know, everybody everybody dreams of shit like that. You know, people want to have that opportunity. You know, it's like you know I do this show. I do this show because I'm passionate about it and I enjoy it. But you know, at some point, I'd like somebody to hear it and go, "Hey, man, that guy's kind of cool. Let's see how how he does in a real world setting." You know, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's I, come on, man. It's the internet. The internet's the real world. Come on. <laughs> 
it is it is when you know you want to watch Pete diet diet coke bottles fly around with Mentos in it or you know fat girls <laughs> dance in front of a camera. You know, then the internet is the real world. But at the end of the day, the internet is just a, a another another ver another thing to spank to. That's oh, really you're, breaking, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart, man. Come on, come on. No, uh, it is. I mean, you know, Richard's got a point. Think about though. it. I, yeah, no, you got a point, man. Because you know what? I really do believe um, this and why the show is so popular. It's because, you know, when we explode heads and we bash up pigs and we shoot IRA pub, you know, simulants, um, I really do believe that, you know, that's what's keeping the core spike audience, but then we do, we bring in a little bit of science, a little bit of history, and it's just enough to bring people in from Discovery, from ESPN, from, you know, wherever house, or um, all these new shows, Glee and whatnot, and, um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even believe you said Glee. (laughs) But seriously, though, I mean, it's just enough of that stuff that we're pulling in these viewers that Spike, I don't think, has ever seen before, and wham, it's their number one show, so... You have an absolute, uh, you know, valid point there. Yeah, you know, you guys had, you know, almost I think it was what one in at one point five million viewers at, at, during one of the early, you know, the early episodes. There was just a huge following. Uh, my, I got turned on to it because, like anything else, you know, I, it, you know, they started putting commercials after the Ultimate Fighter. So, you know, I usually come mm-hmm. home, watch the Ultimate Fighter, and they were like, you know, check out, you know, Spartan versus, and I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, and they showed somebody, they, show, they showed uh, the uh, ballistics gel torso taking a hatchet. And I was like, I'm sold. I am so sold on this. <laughs> the show, your sh- you know, your show, it, not only does it, you know, of course, uh, you get the, the armchair quarterback. Oh, this shit isn't historically accurate. Or yeah. blah, blah, blah. They're not doing, you know, they're not giving the weapons any jet. Look. Yeah, and you it's know a what show they put do? on a network for guys. <laughs> it's like, come yeah, on. You know and you know what those guys do, though, is they watch every bloody show and then write, you know, five pages on it and blog. And I said, hey, man, if that's not entertainment, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? If a guy yeah, that's one of the things, that, you know. If he's going to get ahead, that man. engaged, I mean, it means something to people. Absolutely. And it's, it's got legs, man. It's still going. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now at our full episode list. I mean, it's, it's all online. And the thing I'm most excited about is that Spartan vs. Ninja is 25,000 views away from cracking a million. And yeah, that's totally, that totally thanks to the armchair quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know what it is? It, 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 ninjas, and, and I have to applaud the person who decided to make that the first episode, because you know what it is? Ninjas sell. They do. Anything involving ninjas. You know, ninjas, ninjas and warriors. You know, when you talk about Spartans and, and, and ninjas, you're like, oh, shit. You know, people want to see it. One of the things that threw me off was, you know, especially with the with the Spartan, you know, the guy who does the voiceover, I swore it was the guy from the 300. It is. David you know, Wenham. It, it is. It is, it is right? I heard David Wenham, yeah. I've heard people, you know, I, I you know, I, I you know, doing a little research, it was like, no, it's not him. Yes, it is him. That that is dude, that is awesome that it's that guy. It is that guy. That that is that is fantastic. You know, I, it it bugs me out just reading. You know, because I, I did a little background on you guys. You know about you being a biomedical scientist, but also being a black belt. 
do you feel, especially being a black belt, that with everything you know about biomechanics, it's like if you really got into a fight with somebody, you'd be like, yeah, I could probably punch you in the chest and stop your heart right now because I, I know just where to hit you. I'll tell you exactly what, I, what, what happened here is all the techniques that I learned um, in getting, attaining my black belt, um, I now understand. I now know why I would punch, you know, to the solar plexus. I now know why I would stand a certain way. I now know why I would use my hips in a certain way. And so what karate has done, it's one of the most um, usable martial arts, I think, because it only takes a few years to become proficient at it. And why that is is because it tends to focus a bit more on the physical than some of the other martial arts. And when you do that, you can break down punches, you can break down kicks into very biomechanically efficient motions. And when you do that, you maximize power for the amount of strength that you have in one person. And so, nice. you know, starting with the martial arts and then, you know, studying the biomechanics around it, I, you know, I started, like, like for a punch, for example, you know, you don't punch with a flat fist, right? You punch with the first two knuckles. Why do you do that? Yep. You increase pressure. When you increase pressure, you increase damage, and that's why you're doing that. And so, um, to put those two together and to be able to do it on national television was just a, a bloody riot and uh, a dream come true, to be honest. That, you know, that, that was one of the things that caught my attention. I, I definitely like one of the things that also sold me on the show is that you guys were having fun out there. You know, Max, Max is running the programs and he's like, you know, that weapon is cool, but it kind of sucks. You know, and I, I like that. I like the fact that you guys, you guys had no issue. You guys had no issues with that, you know, and I, and that, I like that, that ballsy approach because, you know, a lot of times, and even if you want to call this, you know, kind of reality television, you know, people get watered down because they don't want people to get offended. You're like, look, man, this blowgun does serious damage. You know, you guys called it legitimately. There was no, there was no like, oh, but, you know, what about if it hits the guy from this angle? You're like, look, if the shit shoots you in the eye, you're going to die. <laughs> that, was, that was good realism. You know, I like that. It was just a great everyman approach, you know, and that just well, it, it reflects you, on you guys from coming from that background. Well, how do you think they took it when we told them that Spetsnaz beat Green Beret? People were living well, let me on tell you something. Yeah, dude, I thought I honestly thought those Green Beret guys were going to fucking wait for you guys outside and kill you. Because the <laughs> look, they... that was one of the... Go, Go ahead, ahead. I apologize. Well, I'll tell you what, no, we no, could only get away with it in America. Any other country, <laughs> yeah, we would have been taken out yeah. back. But thankfully, we got a little bit of free speech. Well, that's one of the things that in all the episodes you've done, some of the guys that you've had on there, have they been head cases in terms of, you know... Yeah, either nah. either just working with you guys or they've all been nah, good eggs. Nah. Everybody everybody's actually super professional. It's 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 completely everyone is uh dedicated to their art. Um I think I think no, this is actually something that Barry said where when it comes to warriors, his phrase is uh Barry who's been like our historical advisor and, and our Spartan expert, um, he's been with the show for, for since the beginning. Um, and he has this phrase where, when he's talking about warriors, he says, they've seen the elephants, and when you spend that much time learning a craft uh, where the end result is to kill other human beings, you develop a mutual respect for other people who practice similar crafts. Uh, so nobody's, nobody's gone you know, off the deep end or around the bend or anything like that. They, they all have sort of a very deep respect for, for what the other guy can do. 
Um, but that said, things do get heated. I mean, there's, there's professional pride at stake. Oh, absolutely. And I wanted to so bad call out Snake Blocker. I mean, I love Snake Blocker, but that guy was hot, man. He was hot under the collar. And to see him carry 20 knives in there and have him go at the bob like he did, I mean, that blew my top right off. <laughs> I'll tell you this. When, when you guys had the Spetsnaz and the Green Berets and the Spetsnaz guy ran in and shot, every, you know, shot up everything, shot up a whole room, I said to myself, this guy's a fucking problem, you know, because he ran in there and pretty much liquidated a whole room. I said to myself, just one dude, and it, it's like an, an army of these guys is a problem. So when you guys, that's one of the things I like, that you guys didn't just do one-on-one battles. You're like, all right, we're going to have a team of Green Berets and a team of Spetsnaz, and we're going to see what happens. Yeah, and, I, you know, the, the Spetsnaz guys were scary, man, i got to tell you. You know, and to the Russian military, he's the solution. And I have to agree with them. I've been going on about the Spetsnaz. Uh, is, I mean, from the minute I met them, I knew they were different. The look in their eye, the way they talked, the way they talked about their craft, um, you know, as, as Max was mentioning earlier, um, these guys were warriors. These guys had been in the shit. They'd been there and done that um, for one reason or another, but they'd been there and done that. And uh, only guys on set that made me feel squeamish. And to be honest, when he took those targets out with the shotgun, all four in the neck. I asked him, why in the neck? He says, well, there's more, there's more ways to kill a man in the neck. You've got the circulatory system, you've got the airway, you've got the spinal cord. It's all right there in the neck. It's above any ballistics-rated vest. It's below any ballistics-rated helmet. I mean, that's where you want to be aiming. I'm just like, this guy is scary. Yeah, that, that guy, I'm watching his face. And, you know, it's like, and it, and it's it's funny because it's like if you if you either of you have seen the new Halloween movie, you'll see that the guy um you know the guy Doctor Loomis in that particular movie was like this is the face of a psychopath, you know when he was describing Michael Myers, and I just looked at and just the Spetsnaz guys in particular got my attention because it's like this guy's like you know I run in there and he's just real regular like I run in there you know I shoot and I kill everything and that's and I'm just like this guy. It, you know, I wouldn't want to accidentally tip over this guy's garbage, you know, because, it, 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 like, he just looked like a problem. You yeah, know, the, all the other guys that you've had on were happy-go-lucky. They were pretty yeah. mellow dudes, but that guy, I was like, oh, shit. That, that was his job, man. If you tipped over his garbage can, he'd take you out, but it wouldn't be personal. <laughs> You'd just be going to work. That's it. clock, man. Well, you know, another thing about those guys, Maxime, um, I don't know if you remember the scene where I get to punch him. Yes, I did, and he just had no pain. He didn't flinch. No pain, and not only that, is I actually got to spar against him. Never made air to the show, but those guys hit. They play at about 60% power, those guys. So he's like, let's spar. I'm like, okay, let's spar. And he's throwing punches, Mm -hmm. and he's connecting at like 60% power. Like, I'm seeing stars on some of these punches. I'm like, these guys are for real, man. And they would come in, and one guy would have, like, a scratch cornea. The other guy would have one of his knuckles would be all bloated. And I'm like, what is going on here, guys? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we were practicing last night. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, that's a, that would have been an awesome thing to see, just see you sparring with those guys, man. I'm telling you, I hope that's something that when, when they put this on DVD or Blu-ray, on Blu-ray they got to show that, man. Look, look, Max is laughing for a reason, okay? 
We don't want to show that stuff on national TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff did not last too long. Uh, and then, don't, and then don't they offered great extra me in the ring, and I bowed out as fast as I could. <laughs> Those will make great extras, man. Come on. <laughs> well, hopefully they put together a behind-the-scenes uh, DVD or something like that. That'd be cool. I um I had um you know usually while broadcasting there's a online chat one of the uh, listeners well asked if uh, one of you guys had the ballistics gel torsos in your house <laughs> did you take one home uh, no I <laughs> yeah, think doctor I think doctor Dorian did though what no no I'm way jo- I'm joking that would be awesome man no, that that alone the- did you go ahead man. I'm Did you guys so have any mishaps? Did you guys have any any? Was there any moments where where things kind of went wrong, or or where it was like, holy shit, that axe almost missed the dummy and hit me in the leg? <laughs> Did you have any of those? <laughs> okay, you have no idea the insurance what the insurance costs on this show, man. And yes, there was more than one occasion. I mean, you're dealing with guys that are going full scale tests. Okay, these are not just small tissue tests. You know, a little impact here. I mean, these guys are going full on. Like, you know Casey Hendershot for Viking versus Samurai? Yes. Okay, the great axe. axe? Yes. He busted that axe head right off that thing, and it went by me at about two feet. Okay? To be honest, I was more worried about my laptop than it was about me, but I saw this thing, (laughs) and it was like right in front of me, and two feet to my left, and I just thought, okay, we need some Lexan, and we started, you know, hiding behind every Lexan we could after that. But uh, there was a number of times. That was just one that I could remember. What about the, during the outdoor explosives when you guys were doing the outdoor explosives test? No, no explosives, we took... <laughs> explosives were super safe. Wow. Because the thing, the thing they don't I like show it. you. I like that. No, 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 no. The thing they don't show you is that uh, thanks to the magic of editing, uh, you miss like the five minutes it takes for everyone to back off, like. 10,000 yards. Sorry, 1,000 yards. So we're like way the hell away from those things when they go off. Yeah, but Wayne, our pyrotechnician guy, he'd always use about a quarter stick of dynamite. I kept on asking him. (laughs) (laughs) I kept on asking him because I have a software program that if I know the weight of the, if I know the type and the weight of the high explosive, I can give you all sorts of numbers like, uh, you know, shock front velocity, uh, the amount of overpressure, um, you know, the impulse, duration, all this kind of stuff, because people have been blowing stuff up for years. And so I keep on asking them before every explosive, I said, how much you got there? Uh, the answer was, eh, about a quarter stick of dynamite. But it seemed like every show we did, the, the amount of explosive that he was using got larger and larger and larger. It was hilarious. Uh, you, know, you know that's his safety answer. Like, we can't let people know how much is going on. or <laughs> Oh, no, you're... That, that's fine, you know, it's an ancient Chinese secret. I, I could understand that, but, you know, it, it, like, I'd watch you guys do some of the explosives, like, yeah, let, let me drop this in this refrigerator, you know? Like, I'm like, like these guys are, are live grenades. You know, I have to tell you, one of the things I enjoyed was whenever you guys would say, let's simulate this on a pig, on a pig torso, since the skin of a pig is as close to a human. I loved, the minute I heard that shit, I'm like, hold on, I'm not going anywhere for this. You know, when the katana blade sliced the pig in half, I, and, you know, I collect a lot of swords. And, you know, I don't, I don't play with them too much, you know, because I respect, I respect my, the weapons I keep in my house. But I said to myself, damn, I really want to test that. You know, like I really wanted to go to the butcher and buy a, 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 a pig, and, you know, I was going to eat it anyway. and <laughs> just test it out. 
Well, you got to cut it up first, right? So why not? Yeah, might as well. Yeah, you start with the catastrophe. But um, yeah. the um, one, uh, two episodes that I definitely want to talk about: the Yakuza and the Ma- versus the Mafia. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was definitely taken aback by the fact that the uh, close range weapons were the nunchucks, because you know I've watched enough Yakuza movies and I said to myself, when the fuck do these guys whip out nunchucks? Nine times out of ten, it's usually stabbing somebody or a sword or you know. The, the the nunchaku definitely threw me off. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was well, one of those things. You know. Yeah, the old school Yakuza definitely had the katana. Um, the nunchaku, I, I wasn't involved in the research in that. What did you understand from that, Max? Uh, in terms of weapons that were chosen for that? I mean, they yeah, had the side. Yeah, they definitely, think, had the think... they definitely had the katana, and you, it would make sense that they'd have the nunchaku if they had those weapons, but... Um... Well, I think the the idea there is that it's a weapon that's easily concealable. Um, it's the sort of thing you can tuck under a jacket, unlike, uh, you know, a katana, which is, like, hanging way out if you're doing that. Sure. Definitely. I think that, you know, one of the things, and, and that was, it, I laughed because, you know, when you had the the guy from the Banano crime family, you know, uh, you know uh, Joe Banano's cousin, I he said to myself, I like, oh, yeah, you know, ass. I looked at that dude. And, you know, I, I'm from New York, and, you know, the, the mafia in New York is, you know, I mean, not now, but definitely years ago, the, the mafia was serious business. So I'm watching this guy, and it's like, this is a guy who's probably heard, seen, or knows about somebody getting put in a hole somewhere. Oh, yeah. And, and, you, know, what, and you know, his... Pr- go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, what blew me away about him was that, you know, after shooting the Tommy gun and, and stuff like that, you really got the sense on camera that... He was reliving, you know, an experience that he had, you know, you know, 20 years ago or whatever when he was actually doing this stuff for real. And I just, you know, not that that's funny, but uh, I thought it was funny that, you know, you could feel this, his intensity for the experience, you know, through the camera. It was, it was awesome. Oh, he was, he was about it. He was about it. I was like, wow, this guy, you know, especially, you know, when it, the weapons that they put out there, you know, when they were throwing out a baseball bat, it's like, yeah, that would that, that's 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 a staple. You know, certain weapons. You know, I was watching and I'm like, ice pick. Yeah, that's a staple. Sawed off shotgun. Yep, seen that in enough gang movies to know. Molotov cocktail. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. You know, it's like ever, as I'm watching you guys run down the weapons, I just thought of Goodfellas <laughs> as I'm watching you guys do it. You oh, know, because sure. I'm like, wow, that's a, about as accurate a representation as you can get. Well, you know, another thing that they were going on about is that a lot of their weapons were just commonplace tools. Yep. Um, you know, like the baseball bat. You could have a baseball bat in your trunk, and that's not a, that's not a legal offense, right? No, um, you can have one. It's just a matter of not getting pulled over in the wrong place with one, because the cops, you know, they'll be like, hey, where are you coming from? And you better say you're coming from softball practice. <laughs> well, they could, right? And same with ice picks and, um, you know, soft shotgun was made for concealment. I mean, that's one thing that really got... Um, me on the mafia weapons was how careful they were about, you know, how they uh, concealed them and how they uh, they hid them to the from the public eye. It was a lot sneakier than I than I I would have expected. Yeah, that 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 definitely you know, and I loved I loved the uh, the Shaolin Monk. I love all kung fu movies, you know, uh, Master Killer, Shaolin Master Killer. So it it just brought me back to watching a lot of those movies on Sundays on on Channel 5, and I was like, wow, their weapons are just ridiculous. 
Oh, Alfred was a lot of fun. Yeah, that guy, he, he's a cool kid. And you see him go at the, the gel torso with those Emmy piercers? I mean, <laughs> that was off the hook. I mean, he just took that, he turned the guy's face inside out with those things, man. It was it was fun to watch. Yeah, those those ballistic torsos, you know, that, uh, I, that, that's why I'm always, that's one of the things between that and the pigs, they always get my attention because the ballistics torso, it's like, look, this weapon is going through your eye and coming out the back of your head or whatever. You know, I, I love that because, you know, it's like you can't test that. Even though it's awful to say, it would have it upped the ante if they would have let you test that on, like, cadavers. <laughs> you know, I would have definitely liked to have seen that. Not well, that I know that they would... They wouldn't let you do it. <laughs> That's you know, sure. if, you, if you're going to bring that up, um, it's actually not far from the truth, to be honest. Um, a lot of the research that's going on out there does utilize cadavers because um, of the geometry, the anatomy, and the anatomy itself is as close to human as you can get. And to be honest, it may not be, you know, Emmy Pierce's from the Shaolin Monk that you test, but, you know, things like, um, you know, less lethal weapons, for example, um, you know, and they're designing, you know, new beanbag rounds of a certain mass or whatever, and and you design, you know, design it with a certain amount of gunpowder behind it to achieve, you know, a certain velocity that will give you um, an impact that stings but doesn't necessarily, you know, puncture the skin or break the bone, which is what you can analyze after you've impacted a cadaver and, you know, take x-rays and, you know, subsequently uh, dissected and, and look at the damage that it actually did. So you're not far from the truth to say uh, that cadavers are being used. They are being used in this type of research all the time. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'm like, I thought to myself, you know, the, the ballistics gel dummies and, you know, the pig carcasses were definitely a step in the right direction just to show the parallels of, you know, the, uh, of, the, of how the weapons affect the human body, the, the pig torso especially, you know, in terms of of uh, puncturing the skin, you know, what, how the skin can break apart on impact. The ballistics gel dummies are, I like just because, you know, it shows the trauma. Like, you know, when you measure head trauma, contusions, things of that nature, they were a great representation of that. Well, absolutely. And let me talk just a little bit about that because uh, when you say, you know, breakage of the skin with the pigs, um, that's actually a lot of the times what they're used for. Pigs are often used for um, uh, heart surgery practice and things like that but their skin is actually very, very similar to human skin, and they're used for uh, all sorts of skin uh, research. And the ballistic gel torso is actually designed to match not only the density, but also the viscosity of the human body, um, just averaged across all the tissues like organs, muscles, subcutaneous uh, tissue, and skin, it kind of averaged across that. But then, you know, we stick in things like simulated bone, we stick in things like uh, organs that are pressurized uh, with blood. And so if you're getting a certain amount of injury or a certain amount of damage, that is like as close to what would happen in real life than, than you can get. I mean, because all, all that instrumentation, all that you know, ballistics gel research is going in there to simulate um, a live human body. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love the the fact that you guys, you know, it shows that you're you're passionate, not just because you know you're you're involved in this, you know, as a professional, but just the fact that you guys, you know, you guys are going the extra step to show, hey man, you know, if this spear went through your gallbladder 
and came out through your back, you'll bleed out in, you know, two minutes and stuff, you know. And I, that, and I always love the reactions on Max's face with stuff like that. Like, the guy's like, yeah, he'll probably bleed out, I don't know, 60 seconds when the, when the EMT guy's talking about it. You know, he's like, oh, he'll probably bleed out in less than a minute. You're like, oh, my God. You know, it's always good to see Max's face for that. No, definitely, man, definitely. I mean, you know, you, you see so many movies and guys either go down in one hit or they're the hero and they can just keep taking it. But real life, everybody, everybody is one of those dudes who goes down in one hit. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's serious business. And, and the last thing about season one I, I want to discuss, the IRA and Taliban episode. I've been hearing that uh, uh, Great oh, Britain doesn't want to air that. But, um, You're right. UK is not airing it. Yep. They, um, the thing I want to ask you guys, you know, before we go into it in detail is, don't, did you guys feel that you were venturing into risky territory, especially, you know, not glorifying the Taliban, but, you know, putting them on the main stage, so to speak? Did you guys feel like, oh, boy, this, this could go really good or really bad? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, do you want to go first, Max? Because I got some stuff. No, nah, man, no. Nah, this, is, this, is this is your show first. My territory Great, thanks. Um, <laughs> Let me throw you to the lines on this one. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, right? There's no question. We had a lot of problems on set during filming of that episode. Um, there were some people that didn't want to be involved. Um, there was others, you know, like even just between Max and I having, you know, ethical issues about what we were doing. But then I started thinking about it more, and you get some distance on what you've done, and you start to realize that, you know what, Vikings – no one said a word about them, and they had done, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, more it's, it's the distance of history, really. Is, That's right, the distance of history. Yeah, exactly. But but I'm yeah, saying they raped and pillaged. Well, absolutely. And and what's wrong with the IRA and Taliban is the recency of these guys. And I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. I'm just saying that people don't put their lives at risk without believing 100% in 100% what they're doing. And not that I'm supporting what happened or what is happening, but um, there's beliefs there, and who are we to judge? And all I'm saying is we took the weapons as is and judged them accordingly and Let's face it, bad guy versus bad guy is not necessarily a bad thing. And the fact that uh, the IRA won doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they're going to beat anything uh, that the U.S. can, can uh, put forth now, you know. I'm getting a wicked echo. It's hard to think, but anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I heard the echo, but, you know, um, go ahead, Max. I wanted to hear your take, definitely. All right. Well, it, it was definitely a hard episode to do. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try and run from that and cover it. Um, but for me, what what really irked me um, about the whole thing, or actually what sort of irks me about like the the world at large, right, is that we live today in sort of this constant state of, I don't know, uh, perhaps perhaps that's not the right way to put it. This is, this is, it's, it's hard to phrase, right? But the message, there's, there's a persistent message out there in the media today that it's important to be afraid, right? And that terrorism is sort of the modern boogeyman of our times, right? And that yes. things change permanently and forever after, after September 11th, right? And I can understand that. You know, I'm, I'm with it to that point. But then things got stupid in the few years after that, where, where you have stuff like Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, right? 
where he tries to blow up a plane with his shoes. He does it wrong, and now we have to all take our shoes off in airports, right? What is that about? It's not, that's not fighting terrorism. That's about remaining afraid, you know? It's a bit of security theater on the part of the TSA, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's a personal pet peeve. I mean, you guys hear about this, this guy who had, a, who had a bomb up his ass and how he was trying to take out a Saudi prince with that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, and now people are, you know, joking around about how uh, you're going to have to search the TSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to get that bad, but, I mean, that's just because of people's asses, you know. It's not, it's, it's something that's uncomfortable for them to make people do, but, you know, stuff like, all right, now we have to search your baby formula because that could be an explosion. You can't have liquids because you're going to mix up a liquid bomb. And, it's, and if you look at it, it's not how these guys actually operate. It's not how the Taliban actually operates, even though I'm sure there, there's some guy off scheming somewhere about how to come up with a better way to, you know, kill more Americans. Um, but day to day, that's, that's not how they operate. And the Americans that they are killing are soldiers over in Afghanistan. And, and I thought it was important. And I thought one of the good things to come out of the show was to actually take a look at the military aspect of the Taliban, who the Taliban actually are as warriors, what their actual fighting tactics are, what the weapons they use actually are, um, you know, just who they are in order to sort of get, get away from this idea that, uh, you know, the Taliban's the boogeyman. The Taliban is the boogeyman and that they're going to come and get us, you know. Um, and I think, I think it did a lot to do that. And uh, to a certain extent, I think we did that with the IRA, which, you know, is a group we don't really know all that much about here in America. Uh, at least they're not, you know, in the media. And they, they certainly decreased their presence since they uh, sort of gone into a ceasefire and wandered off. Um, so it was, for me, it was, it was a very sort of politically contentious uh, episode to do. Um, but I think, I think we did have some good that came out of it. And I think one of the things that we did do, which, which personally has become sort of a pet issue, is uh, when we showed the effects of landmines, like that really opened my eyes, the fact that uh, landmines are a weapon that is being used against civilians, uh, civilian That's populations right. by terrorists, you know. Um, and that's, that's a classic example of asymmetric warfare or, uh, or warfare against an innocent population uh, who, has, who has sort of no recourse and no ability to, to defend themselves or even sort of uh, discover and avoid these weapons. Oftentimes they've been placed or forgotten or there's, there's no, uh, no maps in the area. Um, and it's one of the things that we can actually do something about like right now as, uh, as private citizens, you know, just from the comfort of our own country at this point, is that we can help, you know, uh, remove landmines in areas of the world where they're currently present, areas like Afghanistan. Um, and so I sort of got into the Adopt a Minefield program after that, and I encourage anybody who's listening to go check out landmines.org. Um, I haven't stated the case in a particularly articulate manner, but check it out um, and think about, think about giving a donation to try and help clear a minefield and, you know, make somebody's life actually better. Uh, rather than worrying about you know having to take off your shoes next time you go through the airport. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually um, get that information from you. I'll probably I'll have you email it to me, and I can put it on the um, the My Take Radio site, so that um, people can can donate for that because it is true. It's one of those things, and I and I'll give you you know my my opinion on the episode. I you know being in New York and you know watching September 11th happen from my office window was a humbling experience and initially i watched and i was like fuck man you know the taliban is getting some love on 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 television but you know you guys were very very professional and i appreciated the fact that you know you guys you had the disclaimer saying hey these these views aren't our views they're just you know this is all scientific purposes and you know i mean it's also based on entertainment i think that 
whoever decided to create that episode was smart because, you know, it would have been bad if you would have done, like, say, uh, Green Berets versus the Taliban, and the Taliban would have won. I know you guys would have got a ton of shit for that. So it was, it was good the way that it was, uh, it was put together in the sense that, you know, you knew what matchups would, people would want to see. And definitely the IRA, it's true, they've kind of fallen off the grid. They weren't out there, you know, blowing shit up like they used to do years ago. I think, you know, the UK definitely, I can understand their, you know, their apprehension to airing that. But yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. that gets me, I think that, you know, and, and Max, you hit it perfectly. I think that we as Americans have become a nation that's so used to fear. It's like sometimes they figure that you can fight fear with more fear. They figure, hey, you know, we're scared of the Taliban, and we're going to put it out there that we're scared of the Taliban. Maybe they'll just leave us alone because we're making it look like they've won. I, you know, I feel that we, you know, we don't have balls anymore to just be like, you know what, they blew us up, and, you know, they, they didn't. You know, what are we going to do? Right, exactly. America's bigger than that, you know. America can take it, and it can come back at you. That's right. It's, you know, I was, you know, particularly disturbed by the fact that, you know, like you said, you know, the shoe bomber. It's like take off your shoes when you go to the airport. Let me tell you something. No matter how many safety protocols are in place, if these guys really wanted to do some shit, they're going to do it because that's what they're good at doing. You know, that episode taught me that when they have a mission, they're going to try and make it happen. If they can't get on the plane, who's to say they won't blow themselves up in the terminal? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. insane, you know. They, they they take it there, just like you said. It's like, all right, take off your shoes. What's gonna stop the bomber from walking into the the, the check-in line for the flight and blow himself up? He's still gonna kill people there. Well, that's that's the problem with it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. No, I think another reason. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's disturbing, you know, that, you know, like, you know, Max said it. It's like, you know, we, we've become so accustomed to being afraid that we're not used to, you know, being accountable anymore. It's like, look, terrorism is out there, but that doesn't mean we got to be, um, not to use an impolitically correct word, there's no necessity to be retarded about. You know, it's, it's about, you know, common sense. And, you know, being aware of your surroundings, it's like, look, if somebody wants to blow some shit up, it's going to happen. Right. You do what you can to prevent it, and you move on. It's, it's, it's absurd, but that episode, you know, it, it, it affected me just because I was like, wow, this is serious. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, and, you know, it, the, the effect of it sort of carries over here. I think, I think we're kind of getting uh, off topic, chasing a bad rabbit hole. <laughs> Pretty soon we're all well, just going to no, get I mean, depressed. <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't want to say it from the standpoint of making anybody depressed, the but the reason <laughs> my, uh, my, my, this was leading to this question. When you guys right. had the, um, the Taliban uh, specialists, uh, let's use that word, Taliban specialists in, in studio, how uncomfortable were you guys just in their presence? I mean, was this something where you were like, all right, we'll just hang out the well, show? Well, I have to clarify that they weren't actually members of the Taliban. Right, right, right. But, you know, they were, they were aware of their tactics. You know, they've had, you know, personal involvement, whether, you know, even, even the guy who was a Muslim freedom fighter, you know, he fought against them. It's like these are guys that were in this shit. How uncomfortable was it, you know? 
Well, one of the guys actually helped out our U.S. Special Forces over in Iraq. So, I mean, he was one of us. He just had specialized knowledge in their tactics and um, weapons. So. That's that's ridiculous, man. I am. Um, that that guy up. Uh, the um. What the hell? What the hell's his name? Fahim. Yeah, Fahim. Yeah, but Fahim just looked like you know, like he could probably you could probably sit him down. And hear some of the most craziest stories because, you know, he was probably in that. You know, he was probably in the mix fighting against oh, these yeah. guys. Because, you know, they're yeah, not I mean, I mean, the Mujahideen did eventually become the Taliban, and I certainly believe that he left before it got to that point. But you have to understand, back in the 80s, we were still worried about the Soviets. And, you know, the Mujahideen, we had no idea, or at least, you know, the, the average American had no idea who they were, and then even less an idea that eventually there was a chance that they could go on and become the Taliban, right? So, at, you know, in, in the 80s, we're still worried about the Soviet empire and what we can do to stop them. And, uh, you know, Afghanistan was sort of a proxy war for dealing with that. Uh, but, you know, there were fallout. You know, there was fallout, there were consequences, and we couldn't foresee it, you know? You can't, you can't play that game. You can't play the game of global geopolitics and know what's going to happen in 20, 30 years. That's right. That's right. Well said, my friend. Well said. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about season two. Um, what do you guys got on tap? I know you guys are filming. I mean, what can you uh tell tell the listeners? What can you tell the listeners that won't get you guys fired? Oh man, nothing, nothing. They were like, "Don't you dare talk about season two. Well, Spike exactly sharpening their knives as we speak. So I mean, oh, you can't go into too much detail. But um, I have to admit. Um, early discussions of matchups, I was a little bit worried, to be honest, but I just saw the matchup list, uh, I guess, three days ago, the full matchup list for the 13 episodes, and I'm blown away, to be honest. Um, nice. I think they've done a really, really good job. Um, I think even better, um, I mean, you're never going to get the Spartan versus Ninja again, but... Oh, uh, uh, I disagree. I think we got some that will top that. Oh, shit. I don't know. I like, I mean... Spartan versus Ninja are pretty epic guys, but I will agree it's much, much better than I ever thought it could have been because, uh, um, yeah, like, I would love to talk about them, but we can't. <laughs> don't, bait <laughs> All me, right. don't bait me by saying, like, that was our best because I'm going to try and bring up some proof here. And well, it's going to be an actual thing, and I'm going to get in trouble. So. Well, that's no, no, no. So let's funny, not... Max, though. That's what's so funny, though, Max, is, is that I, I think Spartan versus Ninja, we had the lowest amount of budget there. We were the least amount comfortable in front of the camera, um, and yet, you know, Richard said it best, I think. You know, you bring a ninja into the arena, you bring a Spartan to the arena, everyone wants to watch it, and it is still our number one view online, and yet we had the least amount of budget, least amount of scientific <laughs> equipment there, et cetera, et cetera. So, hey, know, hey, 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 come on, man. We had, we had the hybrid three then. The hybrid three was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that not know, man. I don't know, know. maybe we should do a that's all against ninjas. Let's just do, like, a mini-series. <laughs> Everything versus <laughs> You know, and people would watch that. I think one of the things that, that you know, and, and Jeff is touching on, that the popularity of the Ninja versus the Spartan, you guys are saying, you know, that, you know, lower budget, blah, blah, blah. But you know what it is? You guys took an idea and introduced it to people that, you know, this is the stuff you read on Internet chat rooms. They're like, dude, you know that if the pirates fought the ninjas, the pirates would win. You know, and and things of that nature. So the fact that you guys brought that to the mainstream, you know, people started talking about it. Because, you know, I I was talking about it to a friend of mine, and he goes, 
is the winner from that episode going to fight another on one of the other guys? Because that would be awesome. Then we could get Pirates versus Ninjas. I'm like, what is with you with Pirates and Ninjas? <laughs> but, but that's what the internet is. You know, it creates no, I know, like I know, I know. The, internet, the internet wants to see Pirates versus Ninjas. Yeah. Um, and what about Bear versus Shark, too? No licensing fees there. I mean, that would work. I'd love to take some live annuals. Just go, shit, man. Hold on, hold on. You've got to get online. I've got to send you this picture of a bear photoshopped together with a shark. It's pretty amazing. Oh you know what? I'm nowhere near a computer. Sorry, Max, but send it to me anyways. Amazing. Send it to me anyways. I'll pick it up tomorrow. If you all guys right, did stuff right. like that, you know Peter would crawl up your ass and plant a tent there. Hey, oh my God. God. We, tra- we chop pigs with katanas. Do you think they're going to get upset if we take a fake bear arm and throw it into a shark tank? I don't oh, think come so. Come on, bro. come on. There was a show already called Animal Face-Off where they did that. It's, you know, whatever. Well, after you guys do it, cut up the pigs, what do you do with them? Uh, barbecue. <laughs> nice. I like mine slow roasted. Jeff likes ribs. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a good man, a man after my own heart. No. <laughs> but don't you think measuring the bite force of a shark would be something people would be interested in? I don't know. I'm still stuck on that. I'd and like to see that. live animals and just go totally old school nature of things on it. And I mean, that would be a blast. All right, all right. I tell you what. I tell you what. All right, we gotta we gotta introduce humans back into this equation. We gotta do uh, a pirate riding on a shark versus a ninja who has like a bear sidekick. <laughs> okay. That's a fucking video game in the making. That's probably something you're working on in your spare time, and you just put it out there. Can't say. I can't say anything about it. <laughs> as long as they have a level, like a level where you have to test your weapons, and you know, Max, myself, and Doctor Dorian are there, and and uh, we say things like. That's a kill shot. When you hit the gel torso properly, and once you understand, you know all the special moves with your weapons, you go on to fight other warriors. I think that'd be great. Oh man, that would be that would be a, a, an awesome concept. But you know what's funny? In talking about uh, the thing with the animals, I saw a documentary. It was on the Discovery Channel where they had a, a, a venomous snake bite a. Uh, it was a like a round of meat, and it sh- you know they showed how the venom would dissolve the tissue. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you know. Stuff, man. You know, I think that stuff like that is, is definitely an approach, not in terms of you guys taking it in that direction, but, you know, it, there's more of a science to it. Like, I definitely enjoyed, you know, oh, the explanation that you science. provided. You know, there's science in everything. And, you know, one of, the, one of my most favorite tests, but most simple tests that we did was the AK-47 versus the AR-15. And I'm not talking about me shooting up the, the IRA pub. I'm talking about the mud test. And, you know, you take a simple concept like, what do we know about the AK-47? What do we know about the AR-15? Everyone says the AR-15 jams. Everyone says the AK-47 doesn't jam. It's the most reliable you know, weapon on the face of the planet. Well, let's put it to the test. Put some mud on there and get these guys to fire shots. And in that particular you know, situation, you could even say that we had a repetitive test because they do repetitive shots, and you've got mud in the breach and all this kind of stuff, and which weapon's going to win. And, you know, it's just a very simple logic, but... Uh, you know, I think that made a lot of sense to the viewers, and, uh, you know, it happens to be scientific, and, you know, but it's very simple, and I use nothing more than some mud and a stick to throw on, on a few weapons, and uh, it doesn't have to be super high-tech, and uh, anyways, one of my favorite tests. Well, in terms of, and I wanted to ask Max about this, um, you you were, you know, you were in, of course, do all the programming and break down all the battles and run the sequencing, when you're doing, you know, the sequencing for all these battles, what are what are factors that you like to that you personally feel 
are the deciding factors? Is it more based on, you know, overall kills? Is it more based on special weapons? What do you feel is the, is the more determining factor as it, besides, you know, the winner out of a thousand fights? What, what's right, the right, stat right. that jumps out at you the most, you know? Uh, well, I mean, we look weapon to weapon, uh, range for range, basically. Um, and unfortunately, they won't let me make the guys too smart. Uh, they're going to be pretty aggressive, and they, they pretty much just try to, you know, take each other down as quick as possible. Um, but one of the things that stands out is that the best weapons tend to be the ones that deliver power most efficiently and uh, most simply. Uh, things that are robust things that won't fail on you. I mean, it's, it's kind of the reason why something like the Tommy gun got the edge over the stem. You know, the, the manufacturing process there is just that much more robust. And when you're dealing with a gun, uh, okay, sure, we can start talking about different ballistic profiles, but a bullet is going to kill you just the same as any other bullet once it's been shot out of a gun, right? And once it hits you in the body, all right. And, you know, so, somewhere there's a guy who's, who's a Monday morning quarterbacking going, no, he knows nothing about ballistics. But hold, hold on for a second. Let me, let, let me wave my hands, right? But the thing is, if given two equally lethal bullets, the gun that will fire most often without jamming, that's going to be the gun that kills you, right? Uh, and so it's, it's sort of that level of simplicity and robustness uh, that I think really translates, translates across uh, and can sort of make weapons really great. They're, you know, those are the weapons that really, really shine in the simulation. Um, but that said, there is something to be, there's, there's also something to be said for uh, weapons where they just bring a little something extra to the table, right? Uh, so if you take, like, Pirate versus Knight, right? Like, the blunderbuss, you could say, is a gimmicky weapon. You know, it, it misfires a lot, and, and when it does fire, not all of its ammunition penetrates the armor. But the thing is, you only need one or two bullets from the, from the full barrel of that thing to kill, you know, your, your enemy knight. Uh, and that's a big difference. You know, you're stepping up the technology game. Um, so for me, it's really about looking at the weapons themselves and just looking at what they can do in the right hands. And I think that's really the most fascinating aspect of all of it. Nice. Uh, that that funny, is a actually. great explanation. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing that interests me, for, that kind of leads into an argument, because I was going to say I'd actually like to take a look at the Warrior more this year, um, if I can get away with it on the test, because um, it's like Sonny used to say, you know, um, you know, People kill people. It's not guns that kill people. And so you right. have to understand what's going on with the warrior, um, not just the weapon. And there's ways that you can do that. Um, I don't know if we have time to talk about it, but I'd love to get into it. But just simple uh, things like a heart rate monitor. There's actually you know, lots of research that shows there's optimal heart rates to be at um, for performance. And what I mean by performance is a level of central nervous system excitation. And that's really hard to measure because there's lots of thoughts going on. You're, you're sending down impulses to move your body, all this kind of stuff. Um, but the heart rate is controlled by the autonomic nervous system, and, and it's very rhythmic. And so something that has a large signal and that's rhythmic is easy to pick up with electronics equipment. And <clears throat> let's face it, you can't control your heart rate um, auto, you know, automatically. So what's taking care of that is your autonomic nervous system. So the heart rate then becomes a window to your central nervous system or what's going on in your brain or the amount of excitation in your brain. And like I say, you could now evaluate these warriors, um, you know, on a real, you know, very realistic test, live rounds, this kind of thing, and see where their heart rate is, and you get a very good idea of what that person is experiencing. And I would like to take that kind of angle this year, to be honest. So, um, I'd like to see that, too. 
Me too. Because, you know, yeah, it's like when you, um, and this is one of the things that that impressed me, and, you know, j- just because I'm a gamer, you know, we, we talk about games and stuff on the show, but one of the things that I, I remember playing, it was, uh, I believe it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as well as mm-hmm. a couple of other games, where you have to, you know, you have to press one of the buttons to regulate your breathing when you're in sniper mode. Oh, cool. So, you know, you bring up a valid point, you know, just the fact that there, there's more mental going into that, you know, it, it not even from the standpoint of, holy shit, I'm going to kill this guy, but from the standpoint of, what if the gun jams? Um, what if the bullet misfires? What if I don't hit the guy? You know, th- there's a lot more factors, and I would definitely like to see some of the mental in. Are you familiar with a um, person called uh, Dr. Dave Grossman? He rings a bell. I've heard of him. Yeah, I am. I am. Have you heard on combat or on uh, killing? Yeah. No, I haven't. What? I, I read both of them this summer, and I'll tell you, man, they are absolutely fascinating, and I would love to get into some of that stuff. On combat, and it's Dr. David Grossman. Let me write that down because I want to check this out. Oh, it's hardcore. I can send you the link if you'd like. Yeah, I'll, uh, oh, man. I'll, give, you, I'll give you the information for that. But um, what I wanted to do was, if, if it'd be okay with you guys, I want to take some calls. To, so I got some listeners that want to ask you guys some questions. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, if you'd All like right. to call in and speak to Max or Jeff or both of them, uh, call in 347-324-3541. Uh, we got our first caller in. Let's see who it is. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, this is Strider. Hey, Strider. What's up? What's up, man? Uh, what's up, guys? From the Yeti Ninja's Warrior. Hey, Strider. Hey. How's it going, dude? All right. Uh, Dylan, uh, just enjoying the conversation going on, and I really like what you're doing with this show, man. I really appreciate you guys talking, coming and talking to us little newbies. And uh, i got a question for you. Have you ever, guys, have you ever been given, like, I see somebody throwing you, like, a curveball of, like, a, a matchup, like, you know, of, like, a, a hobo versus an NRX-6 supermodel? You know, because I know... <laughs> probably four hobo or five wins. Days, man. Yeah, I mean, because I know if you, throw, if, if, you throw, if you throw a baby Ruth in front of them, shit's going to go down like Belgian hookers. <laughs> oh, God. Strider, you fucking kill me, you know that? You fucking kill me. But, but seriously, well, let's we'll, we'll put it like this way. What was your most interesting matchup? What was the most off-the-wall matchup you've ever done? And, was, and what was your favorite? Why would you like it? No, ones that have been presented to us like through email and stuff or ones that we actually did? Uh, whichever, man. I mean, whichever one, which one, which one did you like was, did you get, what was the matchup that was given to you and be like, holy shit, this is going to be so left field. All right, all right, man. And all epic. right, this wasn't, this wasn't it, left field, but this is definitely epic, is uh, Viking versus Samurai, just because those are two awesome warriors right there. That was, that was definitely the one that I wanted to see most. Um, and if we ever get a chance to revisit it, I'm, I'm totally game to do that again. Uh, but the one that was, holy shit, like, what's going on with this one? I, I know nothing about these two warriors, was uh, Shaolin Monk versus uh, Maori Warrior. Because um, I didn't know anything about the Maori and uh, only knew about the Shaolin Monk from, uh, you know, action films, Kung Fu flicks. Um, and so to actually see the two of them square off, like, that was, that was kind of a, holy shit, what's going on here moment. Yeah, I have to agree with Max. I mean, for the old... St- for the old timers, the old school warriors, um, I loved the the Maori warriors. I learned the most from them. I especially loved, you know, their concept of mana and how you know their ancestors lived in their weapons. 
but you know, looking at their weapons from a physics point of view, they're actually very, very, very well designed. And I would love to like do a website or something on the Taiha, which was my favorite weapon. <laughs> you were so in love with that thing, man. I, I still <laughs> am, man. I mean, I have dreams about it at night, and I think about. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it is. It's just bloody amazing to me. The, the the design features that went in that, and then you look at the history behind it and what they believed on it. I'm like. Man, this guy is a true warrior. I loved it. And as far as the the modern warriors were concerned, um, and I've gone on about this, you know, from interviews from that point onward, was the Green Beret versus Spetsnaz. Um, and I said it earlier in the interview, but those guys blew me out of the water. I mean, redefined my, um, you know, whole experience of, uh, you know, meeting meeting warriors and, and guys and that I go to town go for their to country. Town. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Did that answer awesome. your question, Strider? You good with that? Very much so. Uh, and if, if possible, I would like to ask one more, but I want to give someone else a chance to call in. No, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Hit it. Hit it. Okay, all right. All right, all right, okay, well, just one more thing. Okay, I know you guys are getting into your second uh, season, and you probably already got the list lined up. And I don't want you to give out too much shit away, but I just want to ask you, what do you think would be your ideal? What was what was a what would be ideal matchup uh, that you haven't done yet? What would be like one of the greatest matchups that you would be looking forward to, or what would be one that you would just imagine off this off the wall and you would want really want to do? Uh, Joan of Arc versus Mulan for me. Ah, yeah. nice, nice. Max. Yeah, that was mine. He stole it. What? No way, man. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't even. You didn't even think about Wamulan before I brought that up, man. Come on, come on. A bull I came up with that like four months ago, dude. Yeah, and I came up with it six months ago, man. Come on. Oh come on. shit. Oh, that is so not true. I hope everyone listening does not believe Max. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, in that case, I hope. I thought uh, you were all about frogmen. What? Oh, damn, you're, dude, you're right, you're right, you're right. That was, ah, uh, but they told me we couldn't do it, so, ah, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's okay. I really wanted to see uh, early frogmen, right, like underwater guys, because the stakes are, the stakes are so much higher, right? So I wanted to see the UDT, who were, uh, who were the American underwater demolition team. They were the precursors to the SEALs. Uh, and I wanted this to be uh, World War II era battle, right? They're, they're circa World War II. So I wanted to see UDT versus uh, the Waffen SS Kampfschwimmer. So it should be like the Nazi like equivalent of a frogman, and they didn't see a whole lot of action. But uh, yeah, I really wanted to see that go down, and just like spear guns underwater, some dude getting his hair cut, just like oh, it'd be, it would have been intense. That would have been sure. badass. Great. And that, now, since, since you just might just, just have a that. lot of females in it. <laughs> All right. Since you just touched on that topic, one more thing. Uh, you were talking about you know the uh, you know the precursor Navy SEALs. You ever thought about port- partnering with other networks, like you know, other shows, like you know, Future Weapons, or uh, oh god, what was, that, what, was that, what, was that, what was that other show that came on about uh, on Discovery Channel? I forgot. Uh, Weapon uh, yeah, yeah, where they had to build their own weapons and stuff, like robotic. Well, no, 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 not that one. Weaponology was basically goes back. It traces like the uh, the history behind certain uh, military uh, equipment and weaponry. Like you know the body armor, uh, the AK-47, the uh, or certain body uh, certain assault rifles of certain soldiers. Uh, have you ever decided to partner up with them and trying to find out different uh, 
have you ever tried to, uh, per, or you think about pursuing that any further? Like what you just said about the, uh, or is that, or is that going to be totally, de- is that going to be determined that's, by someone, some other third party? That's, by, by, that's by, totally by, by, out of our hands, man. That's uh, the, you know, the big bosses call the shots on that. Yeah, uh, they determine who we get to have play dates with. So I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put too much stock in that happening. Okay. Yeah, I would love to, but that's a spike decision for sure. Yeah. I see. All right. All right. That's pretty much all I, I have. Write him a letter. Tell him, tell him you want to see us go do it. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, why dude, not? If you guys, yeah, if you guys, if you guys put it up, man, I'll go ahead. I'll fucking, I'll put up a freaking thing of my own, man. I'll put some shit that's off the wall, man. I, <laughs> all right, man. Like a plan. Thanks a lot, Ryder. Right, well, okay, I appreciate right, it, man. Later. All right, we got another call. Let's see who it is. You're on the air. Who's this? It is Wolf. Hey, Wolf, what's going on? Not much. What do you got, <laughs> hey, Sean, dude? Hey, hey Wolf. I'm a big fan of the show, and I DVR every week. It was on. Awesome. All right, thanks for watching, okay. dude. Yep, and I have a question for you. Hit him. Yeah, go for it. All right. Now, I noticed on some of the shows that it looks like there's a table full of weapons, and some of them don't seem like they make it onto the show. So, um, which ones of them do you think would be interesting that you've seen on the table? Uh, um, yeah, good question, because there was a lot of uh, real weapons. There was a lot of props weapons that got brought in and uh, were used almost kind of like a backdrop, so to speak, as we're panning around our, our fight club there. So, um, And there was a lot for each warrior, and a lot got swapped out each, each episode. So it's, it's difficult to place uh, you know, my eye on any one. But I have to say, like my favorite weapon throughout the entire season, and probably will be for a while, was the, was the Taiha, simply because of the, the, um, the physics built for, for killing in that weapon. Um, that was my favorite. What about you, Max? I would uh, I'd love to go back and take another look at the weapons that were out on the Zulu's table, um, just because I was not familiar with, say, the Ikwa or the Uisa or, you know, any of the other weapons that the Zulu brought, you know, to the actual test that we did. Uh, but there was more there, you know, and they're certainly exotic, and there's a lot of history there that I don't know. And I'd be totally game to test more of those weapons and, you know, just learn some more. That's Actually, some I got cool one. Stuff. Yeah, I got all one. All right, all right. There was, um, you know, the pirate's flintlock pistol. Yeah. There right. was there was several of the flintlock pistols that actually had um, built-on axe heads on the front, and so the idea is you'd only be able to get one round off, and then you'd have to go in chopping. And I think that would have nice. been a good. Yeah, it would have been good because the handle of the flintlock pistol is not really built for a power grip. You know what I mean? So sure, you can get a round off, but would it have been? a proper design to be used as an axe head. That would have been a good test. Yeah, I would have liked to have okay. seen that. That would have been badass. Mm. Yeah. Anything Any else, questions? Wolf? You good? Um, another question. Go now, for it. The, the people you get on the show that represents each side, do you, you actually go looking for them, or do they volunteer? Oh, both. Yes. I mean, yeah, both. I mean, we, yeah, we search... Internationally, man. Yeah, internationally. In fact, there's probably five to six people in L.A. right now on the phone, on the web, building websites to recruit these guys. Yeah. And if yeah. anyone phones in, they'll take their call. 
<laughs> That's that badass, man. Hit down, dude. Yeah. Nice. All right, Wolf. Thanks right. for the call, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Wolf, take care. Okay. All right, man. Take care, dude. All right, you guys. I definitely appreciate you guys taking some calls. So uh, let's get the big plug out. Let's hit it. Deadliest Warrior. Season two. Deadliest Warriors, season two, coming spring, 2010. <laughs> yeah. Check it out, warrior.spike.com. Right. Last thing, because I, I definitely, if you guys want to stick around for the remainder of the show, I definitely would like your insight on some of the other stuff I cover, if you guys are cool with that. What do you got? Um, I'm just going to run the, you know, MMA. I do some video game news and some movie stuff, if you want to stick around. What games are you looking at, man? Um, well, right now, usually, you know, like I said, I was um, talking about, the, of course, Tokyo Game Show passed recently, and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that came out of there was, you know, definitely got my attention, you know, in terms of the motion control stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, just where they're going with that. And usually with what I do is I run down a list of news and stuff and, you know, people call in and hear me bitch and complain. But uh, since I got you guys on, um, I'll, I'll talk about that first. Um, if any, what do you guys think of the motion control technology in terms of it being implemented so much more now in games than it was, say, five years ago? Oh, dude, I, I mean, I know Max has an angle on this, but, um, I mean, I have to, from a, from a fitness perspective and from what, you know, just a general health perspective of, of kids these days, uh, I'm 100 and 50% behind these technologies. Um, like the, you know, I don't want to plug anything that you don't want to plug, but, I mean, the motion technology... Nope. I think anything, anything you want. Anything you want. It's all fair game on here. I'm not regulated by shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, like these balance uh, things where you've got to move your body. I mean, even these, like, dance machines where, I mean, these kids are in a trance, and they're sweating, and they're, you know, they're feet are moving like a hundred miles an hour and they're keeping the beat and i'm just like that is awesome because 10 years ago that kid would be sitting on his ass on a couch getting fat you know potato chips in front of him and you know moving his thumb left you know left and right and his other thumb you know up and down and that would have been it and so from that perspective i'm 150 percent into it but i know max has a different angle well well i was just gonna say you know what jeff you know you know what's gonna happen that kid right <laughs> what? All, all those kids, you know, super soldiers, probably gonna get brainwashed, super fit. That, that, you know, it's funny you say that, and I, and, I, and it's good that you got, especially um, you know, Jeff's take on it, and, and Max, of course, being involved in video gaming, you know, from a designer and a creator standpoint. Um, one of the things I I touched on a couple of episodes ago was the fact that the um, you know, the the, the CDC put out a report saying that, you know, gamers are antisocial, a majority of them are fat, a uh, majority of them are male, um, uh, you know, they have, li- they have limited social interactions, you know, just, just pretty much shitting on gamers as a whole. No. And, you know, it disturbed me just because, you know, I'm a gamer, I, I play games all the time. I'm also in the gym five days a week, yeah. you know, I, 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 any, I study any, martial arts. You know? Any psychologist will tell you that it's a different form of communication. It's not a non-form of communication. Um, but to hit on Max's uh, point about the super soldiers, there's actually a book called Wired for War. Um, I'm about halfway through it now, but 
In fact, what these guys are doing, um, these like uh, companies like iRobot and what have you, they have these you know, really sophisticated robots. But guess what the control manual looks like? It okay. looks like video game controller. It looks like your latest PS3. Exactly, because so, cause that's what these guys grew up on, and that's what they're good at, and, you know, the companies are responding. And like I say, it's not a form of non-communication. It's just a different form of communication, and they're very, very good at it. So you've got guys that are, you know, experienced soldiers, 45 years old, you know, what have you, um, can't control these robots for shit. They get a 19-year-old kid who was built on, you know, gaming, and they control these things like it's part of their own body. Different form of communication, not a non-form of communication. Just wanted to hit that point. Thanks. Well, you know what it is? One of the things that I've noticed, and, you know, I've seen studies that show it too. It shows that, you know, people that go into microsurgery and people that go into, um, you know, the various yeah. medical fields are gamers. You know, they're guys that, you know, they got great hand control. That you know, Yeah, 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 yeah. Surgeons and game gaming makes like 37% less mistakes. That's right, you know, and that's because of a steady hand, you know. All those hours of playing Trauma Center paid off, you know. <laughs> that's true, though, man. It's hand-eye coordination. And you know who else talks about that is Dave Grossman, actually. If you read on Killing, he's talking about... Uh, see, this is, this is where I have to say that Dave Grossman's full of bullshit when he starts talking about games. He might know, know. <laughs> know his physiology, but... It's media. It doesn't have to be a game. It's media. Nah, games are the new media, dude. You're taking the safety cash off people. But anyways, we can have this conversation when we meet in LA. <laughs> It'll come to fisticuffs and ironically prove your point. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Oh, yeah. That'll be the best, deadly, the best deadliest warrior yet. It'll be you against, against Max, and Max will use his hair as a shield. And no, man, they're going to make me cut it. I won't have it. Come on. Yeah, that, that, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you about before um, I, I actually wanted to take a call or two. Um, the, the hair, the hair thing. What, what, what the fuck happened with the hair? The hair's like your trademark, dude. One of the I things that sells you is the hair. You got the blazer over the fucking t-shirt. You know, you just, <laughs> you're, you're, you're having a good time. You don't give a shit. You know. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff goes, I, Jeff I, goes I, in there looking like he's in men's health, and you go in there looking like the everyday Joe. You know, that's, piss that's people that's off, cool. Max. Get a cool cut, man. I'm oh, that. I'm sorry. My girlfriend is laughing her ass off over here. So. <laughs> yeah, you gotta piss people off with that, Max. Just go for the crew cut. They told you to cut. They told you to Here's cut it, cat. right? They told I mean, me, come they told on. Me not too short. They told me not too short. And uh, if, if my hair does get that short, it looks like I uh, that like I should be a marine or something like that. Like I'm just like a big old farm boy under the fro. So. Dude, that's that's priceless. Because you know when I when I started watching, I'm like. I'm like, this guy's a regular Joe. You know, you're not in there, you know, all stuffy and shit with a shirt and tie. Well, we're going to talk about these. You're like, yeah, man, you know, this gun is awesome. This sword is fantastic. You know, Jeff comes in. He's like, yeah. you know, he's telling the Spetsnaz guy, can I punch you in the stomach? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure, take your best shot. And, you know, Jeff's beating guys up. It's, it's, you know, that's, what, that's one of the fun things that I enjoyed about the show, you know, that dynamic. And, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy now that, you guys are starting to become, you know, more famous and more known. And, you know, all the little things come out of the woodwork. Like, you know, Max, you're going to want to cut your hair. Just because, you know, it's oh, a little... Oh, no, up. man, no, man. They had me cutting it from day one. It's, it was gross last time around. Oh, I, I'll, 
You know, I'll second that, Max. Max Max has a team of hair tamers that, you know, in between each take, they just rush in, you know, and attack him with combs and scissors and gel and hairspray. I mean, they're just going at it, man. I, I, it's hard for me to keep up. I can't even talk to him half the time. That's some funny shit. Uh, I'm going to bring on um, another caller. He's one of our regulars. Slick is going to call in. I'm more than sure he probably wants to get in on the game discussion. Uh, let's see what he's got to say. Slick, you're on the air. What's up? What's up, man? What do you got yeah, for well, today? Well, I mean, first, I'm just happy that you finally got these guys on. I'm glad to hear them, and you had a great show today. Uh, before we talk about games, I actually wanted to ask these guys a question. And um, they were talking about it in the chat sort of jokingly, but I know you, you can't talk too much about Season 2 or anything, mm-hmm. but... Uh, would there ever be a possibility, like, I know the way you do the show, because Rich is the one who actually introduced me to the show, and it's great and everything. You you really break it down why you say one guy would beat the other. But would you ever do, like, like a show strictly for the fans? Because basically, if you think about it, this show is like, you guys officially do what we all used to do as kids and get in trouble for. Like... No, I would win. No, I would win. And, and then you start fighting and breaking shit. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> but would you ever do like a sort of like a fantasy episode, like take two fictional characters and say who would win between them? Uh, all the We get asked that all the time, man. And, and you know what? I am dying for it. I am absolutely dying for it. And um, there may be one episode this season that hits on that, actually. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, now, nice. one thing we... Yeah, no, one thing we can't do is like something like Spider-Man versus Batman because, you know, <laughs> you, you know, get the, sued. The fee, well, the licensing fee for that would be the budget for the show, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can definitely understand that. I mean, if it was going to be something like that, I wouldn't even pick somebody with superpowers. I would do something like Batman versus Captain America because Batman, it's really like a guy who knows freaking... He studied ninjutsu, samurai shit, and all just about every kind of martial art versus somebody who's a hand-to-hand combatant. You basically got two hand-to-hand combatants, so the only problem is that 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 kind of is a that would kind of be a stupid episode when I think about it because <laughs> that man doesn't kill people. There you go. <laughs> well, you, just, you just answered your own question. I hear pretty much. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny? I think that from, you know, and this was something I had mentioned uh, to the guys on Twitter was, you know, like things like, like Bruce Lee. It, I, I've always wanted to see, you know, because we always hear the, the, the fantasy booking of, you know, what would happen if Jackie Chan fought Jet, uh, Bruce Lee or Jet Lee fought Bruce Lee? Like, you know, was Bruce Lee really going to be the greatest martial artist alive? You know, things of that nature. And, you know, it, it, it's a testament to the fact that, you know, and you know it's upsetting, obviously, because Bruce Lee is deceased. But things of that nature, you know, those are things that would definitely, if, if he were alive, I know that that would be something you guys would want to do. Hold up, you know, hold like up. You're... Let me throw something in here because you know what? I bet you anything that there is somebody somewhere out there in Hong Kong in North America that has taken some sort of measurements off Bruce Lee. Something. I would like to get my hands on that. Number one. Number two. 
is You'd like to get your hands on PC. <laughs> I save that for my T-shirt and my poster, man. But um, no, to be all honest, and how much footage do we have of Bruce Lee? We know, you know, we've got footage of him breaking stuff. We've got footage of him. Uh, we could take hand speed measurements. We could take power measurements. Any other measurements that are existing out there, we could get a hold of, and you know, we could run a sim off that, and we could, you know, compare it to someone of the living. I'm, I, that would be awesome, and I think we could do it. I think Max and I could do that. I would I would definitely love to see that because you know that's always the the first thing you always get you know because one of the things and you know this kind of jumps back into the MMA is a lot of people always say that you know Bruce Lee was the first mixed martial artist and I can I can agree with that statement just because you know all his teachings and everything he ever discussed was the fact that you know there's no set style yeah, you, you know he wasn't about exactly and you know that that would definitely be something that if if you guys could could pull that off, man, because you know you guys did William Wallace and and Shaka Zulu. I think that you know uh, Bruce Lee. I mean, you know, you can't do Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris because Chuck Norris runs the world. But you know, <laughs> you know, you, you can you can do you know you can definitely do it. And, and I think a lot of a lot of guys would love to see that. You know. Well, that's the thing. We have the technology. You know, not not being a cliche, we do have the technology to pull that off. If we've got video footage of this kind of stuff, if we can, um, you know, look at the materials, if we know the materials he was using in the footage to break stuff, we could recreate that test, measure the forces. Um, I mean, this is something that's very doable. It's very, very doable, and I want people to know that because uh, I think, you know, there's going to be an episode one day where we do something like that, I think it would be a bloody hoot to work on it. Yeah, I'd love to see that, man. I think... I think that's one of the things, you know, and that that's, you know, as a, as a fan of martial arts, as a martial artist, I always feel that, you know, Bruce Lee is considered by many to be, you know, the the, the pioneer, the original. But, uh, you know, like anything else, you may be the greatest, but there may be somebody better than you. And, you know, a lot of people, of course, would probably shit themselves if you did, a, you know, say a, a, a Jet Li or a Tony Ja versus Bruce Lee, and at the end of the day, you broke it down to brass tacks, and Bruce Lee lost. I think, you know, somebody would definitely throw something through their television like this is oh, bullshit. Sure. You know what? That needs to be, you know, that's something that would that would need to be said. You know, it's like that's one of the things I like. Like everybody assumed, oh, you know, X Warrior is going to be Y Warrior when when I watch the show, and sometimes my but picks you know would what? be totally off. Yeah, but you know what? Somebody trained Bruce Lee. What Bruce Lee did is he brought it. Martial arts, and I'm not even going to say any particular stuff. He brought martial arts from Hong Kong, from Asia, to North America. And that's why he has the status he does. But somebody trained him, and there was many before him that were, um, you know, thinking along those lines. I mean, if you, if you follow the lineage from Okinawa and, and how, you know, different martial arts uh, came about, I mean, these guys were incorporating their, their own ideas all the time. And... Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Bruce Lee probably took it a little bit farther than most of them, but uh, there was many before him. But what, what he did was he brought martial arts from Asia to North America and, not, and, you know, got into movies and Hollywood and all that, and that's why, you know, he has the status that he does in, in these countries uh, in the Western world. Um, not taking anything away from him, okay, at all. Like, I mean, someone who does that, um, is is something, and we'll never have another Bruce Lee because of that. Because we've already got martial arts here now. No one can do that. He did it, um, and that. But I think that was what was special about Bruce Lee, as opposed to 
his actual skill. Did you have anything else to add, Slick? Uh, yeah, sort of mixing in Deadliest Warrior with gaming and what you were talking about with the motion control. Uh, Microsoft, they they give out these these um tools to allow you know the common guy to to make their own game, and they have this you know the whole Natal system coming out. I think I just think it would be a cool idea. Of course, it would never happen because it would be a cool idea if they could make like a Deadliest Warrior game where basically you could design your own character, and then basically you have to do the movements. Ah. No, I have hey, a that's great a, idea, dude. That's that'd a be a novel approach. Yeah, and you know what? There, like just pulling off research experience, um, we're not far away from that, to be honest. Um, you've got uh, people in wheelchairs that wear EEG uh, hoods on their brain that can move mouse cursors across um, a computer screen without <laughs> moving a muscle. You know, you've got. Um, uh, robotic arms that take uh, muscle signals from the other arm and move uh, the robotic arm. You've got, um, you know, MIT is working on an exoskeleton that when you flex your leg, the exoskeleton flex in the same direction so that it actually makes your action more powerful and more efficient. I mean, these are things that people are working on, and that idea I think is fantastic, and it's uh, not that far in the future. So we're nice. gonna see RoboCop. <laughs> nice, dude. Dude, I mean, I pick up Wired for War, man. I'm serious. Um, it, we're moving in that direction. There's no question. Now, I've seen some yeah. of the stuff you're talking about. I actually saw something today that was um, it was pictures from something in Japan that they're working on. That uh, if and I'm more than sure you guys probably have seen. If you've seen Aliens, you know the power loader that Ripley wore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I it, saw that video today was, too. Yeah, I was I was like, you know, it's getting to the point where and this was one of the things I've seen also, you know, the the some of the smart suits for the military. And you know, I I've seen that in Metal Gear in the Metal Gear games. It's yep. like I'm more than sure that they sit there and they go they 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 pluck this shit out of you can't just think this up, man. Like you probably see a game and they're like, "Hey, that would be a really awesome idea." Dude, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean We've had, we've had the idea of powered armor for forever, you know, like since the 50s, since Heinlein, when he was like the first guy was like, oh, this would be good, let me put this in a book, and, you know, people have wanted it since then. But you can, you can rent, like, you know, powered leg augments, basically, in Japan yep. now. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I've seen that for the elderly. And that's yeah, where, exactly. Yeah, and that's where science fiction really does tie into science. I mean, they kind of, you know, take what we have today – you know, use their imagination and, you know, build on that, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years into the future. And that now becomes, you know, everyone kind of, you know, ties into that. Like guys like Isaac Asimov and stuff, they're, you know, huge uh, impotent, or impotent, yeah, that's a good one, Jeff. <laughs> 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 nice. Um, but no, they were, they, were, they were huge in, um, you know, forming ideas that people just glommed onto and challenged engineers to, move things forward. And anytime you have a war, it it throws tons of money into technology to try to make these things happen. So, yeah. Plus, it's cool as hell. Exactly. No, my point exactly. Nice. Hey, Rich. Anything else, Like, Yes, sir. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm offering you a one-time only special segment for your show and your special 13th episode. What's it's that? Time for, it's time for Black Rage versus Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> How so? What do you got? Well, we talked about this. Recently, Valve, with their super hit Left for Dead, released their, their downloadable content. The um, the two extra levels, which basically work off of the first level of the game, the No Mercy campaign. Basically, right. from what I understand, in the No Mercy campaign, you work your way to the hospital, fighting through the zombies, and a helicopter picks you up. Well... The helicopter pilot somewhere somewhere during the escape turns into a zombie. Of so course. that doesn't end too well. <laughs> and this is this is where the helicopter crashes and basically you gotta fight your way to two more levels. Now this okay. is available for PlayStation three. This is available for Xbox three no, sorry, it's not available for PlayStation three, my bad. It's available for Xbox three sixty and for PC. PC right. gamers of course being PC gamers, have been making their own campaigns for this game since it came out. And just now, Xbox 360 gamers get two extra fucking levels. A regular campaign is five levels. We get two fucking levels, and we got to pay $7 for it? And PC gamers have been making their own full campaigns for over a year for free? They've been making their own skins for free. And I got to give you, what is it, 560 or 460 Microsoft points for that bullshit? Well, what, I mean, and this, it's actually good because, you know, Max, Max does that too. You know, he, 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 design, he, he does the, the game design. Yeah, what, yeah. what do you think, Max? Do you think it's fair, do you think it's fair that, you know, and, and, this, and this goes into – my, the next thing I wanted to run by, both, you know, the three of you, do you think it's fair that, you know, if the independent um, gamer who who games on the PC uh, can mm-hmm. invest that much time into, you know, that time into making a good game better, you know, and it's available free to the public, why can't that stuff be translated over to console to allow, you know, the consumer to enjoy some of these great levels and stuff? I mean, I, I understand it's all about making money, but yeah. you know, it, it's also about you know, it's also about you know creativity. I mean, one of the things that I spoke with Slick off air was about the game Little Big Planet, where you know mm-hmm. it's all you, you know it's the core game, and then you play the user created content. You know, and they're right, not charging right. nobody to play it; it's just there. You know, how do you feel? Well, how do you feel in regards to that? As you know, working on the on the other side of the coin, you as a designer, would you feel? You know that it's it's in your better interest to put your work out there. You know, just for the sake of supporting your game, or or at the end of it, is it Absolutely. something where you're like, listen, man, I want to get fucking you money. Want, you want as much content and community and people doing things as possible. Um, you know, if if people are building levels for your game and you have a you know a, a good way of incorporating them, when, well, making sure that people get access to quality stuff too. I mean, you want a good way of you know like rating them and making sure that when you go and download somebody's map. Uh, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world and you're wasting your time. You know, you don't want to download something broken that's going to, you know, crash your game or just not be all that much fun. Um, but even then, that stuff sort of, you know, tends to filter out, and it's, e- it's fairly easy to filter that stuff out. Um, 
You know, I think a lot of it is short-sightedness on Microsoft's part, uh, the fact that there aren't more levels, or maybe we should say it's short-sightedness on Valve's part, that uh, there's you know, yeah. no good way for them to get that content uh, onto the Xbox 360. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a problem there where you're dealing with a problem. Uh, it's a problem of communication between the developer and the publisher and, you know, trying to get them to work in concert. And it's hard to bring that sort of unregulated content, uh, you know, it, onto a platform like a console, which is so heavily, you know, locked down and tied to its manufacturer and the publisher. You know what? I, I call bull on that. You said that it's hard for a company like Valve to get that across on something like the Xbox 360. You know what? If you're that starving for money, charge us ten bucks. Make us rebuy Left 4 Dead. Buy the Left 4 Dead moddable version, where you can download any user-created content that's available on Xbox Live. You made a valid point when you said that um, you know you don't want to download something that's crappy, that's not worth your time. That's easily taken care of. Just about everything on Xbox Live can be rated, right, including right. players. No, so, well, all right. I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, you know, Valve has always been very, very careful about the content uh, that they put out. And they want to make sure it's the highest quality stuff, which is why it takes them so long to build two levels. And hey, aren't we all still waiting for Half Life Episode Three? Um, yeah. But you know, there's, there's. There's a lot of difficulty in negotiating something between a developer and a publisher or between a publisher and a console. And I don't know what the exact breakdown of the relationship between, you know, Valve and Microsoft is. Um, and so it might, you know, it might be one of these things where there's like a legal difficulty for them to do it. And then the other side of the coin is that they might have a competitive advantage here where, you know, they make the PC version that much better and they really want to push your business over onto the PC because that's where Steam is, and, you know, that's the big platform that they're supporting, and that's where, you know, most of their interesting work is being done. My thing is, with all the microtransactions on the Xbox 360 and the fact that a game like this you've chosen to make Xbox 360 exclusive, it, I mean, you're really, you're shorting yourselves. I mean... You have Xbox Live is one of the, the biggest online communities in the world. As Absolutely. Far as I love it, man. And you take a game that clearly PC gamers get the much better experience on, but you mm -hmm. could give Xbox Live players the same or possibly even a better experience because you have, have such – you have a standardized – well-built community system in Xbox Live. The the whole thing of Left 4 Dead is, you know, if you don't stick together, you are literally Left 4 Dead because the freaking zombies will kill you that quickly, especially if you're playing on Expert. Xbox Live, you know, the the controllers have a port for the, the headphones. Now, I mean, basically, if, you're, if you are a PC gamer, you have the same things you have with Xbox Live, but... Nothing standardized. I might have a better PC than you. You might have a better PC than me. Everybody's got the same damn Xbox 360. Everybody's got the same headset, basically. Everybody's on the same... Everybody's on an a, a even playing level. 
So okay. basically, you could make Left 4 Dead better on the 360 than you could on the PC, aside from graphics. Because everything that you could do with people making levels and everything and um, making it available to people to have extra replay value, you could do on the 360. Because take a game slightly, you know, completely different, but take a game like Burnout Paradise, where you had a solid game that was put out on disc, and you had extra extra vehicles added, you had a whole new mode added, then you had a whole new island added, and the majority of that shit was free. You could do this stuff for Left 4 Dead. They just don't want to. And I, I blame Valve. This is the one time I don't blame Microsoft because it was up to um, Criterion, the develop, developers of Burnout Paradise, what was free and what was charged for. It wasn't up to Microsoft. Max, you're still alive over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still alive. I mean, it's, it's, it's all valid. I'm just having a hard time coming to the point. I mean, it's, it's Valve's game. They're going to they're gonna do what they want to do with it, you know? There's nothing we can really, you know, say that will really change their minds about that, especially since they've really drawn a line in the sand with Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, you know, given how many people were upset about that when the content for Left 4 Dead 1 hadn't been finished yet. Um, but, you know, they, they stick to their guns, and I think they're going to deliver a quality product. It's, it's not like I'm not going to buy Left 4 Dead 2, you know? I've got it for both PC and for Xbox, you know, so they got me both ways already. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They're just going to do what they're going to do at this point, and, uh, you know, they've got their reasons for doing it. Well, that's the validity of what I was saying, and I say this on every broadcast, and, you know, it's old hat. But I say, you know, we, we come on here, we, you know, on the show and forums, and various things, and we sit there, and we shit on this stuff, and we're like, ah, you know, I'm not going to buy this. And, and we go, and we plunk down the fucking 60 bucks, because we're sheep. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, think about it, you know, we're here, we're talking about Left 4 Dead, and we're like, yeah, you know, they should really add all these levels, and blah, 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 and it's like, yeah, but when that shit comes out, we're going to go and walk right into our game store with our 60 bucks, and walk out with the game. So, you know, it's just, yeah. it's always something where, and, you know, it, it, I, you know, that's one reason why I actually do this show is because I like for, you know, the, the gamer or, you know, the movie buff or the MMA fan or the wrestling fan to just have a, have a forum where, you know, we, we can't sit idly by and, you know, just look at these products and, and let them dictate, you know, where our money's going. You know, we, we, yeah, we should. Yeah, but, you know, like, if you don't, if you don't like it, make it yourself, you know, and it's that's easy right. to do there's enough tools, there's enough middleware out there, you know, if it genuinely upsets you, you know, build your own materials, you know, build your own games, you know. Well, find, or don't buy it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, vote with your dollars, that's the first step. But, I mean, you know, push things forward for yourself. Uh, you know, check out, check out the indie game scene if you've got any time. I mean, there's, there's cool, cool stuff happening there. Uh, in fact, like, IndieCade is happening right now as we speak. There's a whole bunch of cool games. Uh, they're going to be showcased at that. I mean, check that out. Are there any Definitely. projects you're working on that you're that you're trying to put out there to be published? I, mean, I, 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 I can't plug anything. I can't plug anything just yet. Partly because I'm not allowed to, and you know, partly because it's not ready. Um, and I can't talk too much about what's going on with uh, any sort of like Deadliest Warrior game. So, gotcha. We'll see. That's we'll see. Not a problem. Not a problem. All right. 
Anything else you want to add, Slick? I was going to say, you heard it here first. Hey, Lee, it's Warrior game, but no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> as, well, long, I mean, as long as they no cap Max's hair. <laughs> half half of the processor budget is just dedicated to doing the physics on the hair, man. It'll, it'll be amazing. There you go. All right, Slick. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Um, thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, we appreciate you too. Later. Thanks, dude. Um, we got we got one more caller. I'm gonna take it's uh, actually one of our one of my female listeners. Let's see what she's got. Hey, what's up? Hey, Cass, hey, what's going up? on? Hey, um, one thing I wanted to say about the content on the 360 is there's a way I think a lot of developers could get around it in some ways without getting all the fire for you know it not being free. Is something I've noticed. Uh, the behemoth does, and they give out a lot of codes for their content for free to their um, to their loyal uh, customers and you know the people that play their games and pay attention to the community. They oftentimes give out tons of their codes for free, and then the community actually responds even better to that than if it was all free completely. Hmm. So I think if Valve would you know release certain amounts of the content for free to certain people, like maybe have a drawing or something. I think the community would really appreciate that, and I just I don't understand why more developers don't do it because it makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm sure there's a dude sitting somewhere in a suit and like a basement office just crunching the numbers on how they can maximize the sales for this. I'm sure I'm sure they've thought about it at some point, and you know they they might again be playing a deeper game where they're trying to drive people off. 360 onto the PC, get them onto Steam, get them to play there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you are looking to. What was that guy, Cass? I'm sorry. Um, okay, um, I was going to say they might be looking to, like he said, uh, maximize the people that play on the PC rather than, you know, the 360. But, yeah. Uh, but but you're blacking out a demographic in terms of doing that in the sense that, you know, the, the, don't get me wrong, PC, right. PC gaming, I don't give PC gaming a lot of love on the show because I personally am not a PC gamer, not on the basis that I wouldn't play a game on the PC, but it's usually a pain in the ass to do. Either you need a computer that's really souped up or you need, you know, you need to get by with graphics that look like shit because, you know, it's like... You invest money into a console, and it's like, all right, I'm going to go drop my 300 bucks, and I'm going to enjoy qu a quality gaming product. You know, on a computer, it's like, oh, my video card is outdated. Shit, I can't play this game that I just bought. And guess what? You got to go buy a <laughs> buy another $500 brick. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's a, you know, it's an expensive, you know, as much as I, you know, complain about microtransactions and things of that nature and how we get nickel and dime on the console end, I, I think that PC gamers in some respects – Take, you know, take a bigger chunk of that because with them it's you know let's I have to buy this video card or my sound card is no yeah. good or I need a better I'm mouse a right or I need a subscription you know if you're playing like World of Warcraft you know it's it's I think PC gamers spend more in one shot than we do in microtransactions because it's you know it, it's so it's it's so segregated in the sense that you know Microsoft has Windows. And they have the Xbox, and personally, I think that they should, you know, why not 
cross-pollinate and let you play against the PC, you know, uh, right. play uh, play against PC gamers. One thing that uh, I have noted, though, is that there are a lot of advantages to playing on the PC. Like, there's tons of free content that you can't get on consoles, and that's definitely a side for me, because in games like... Oblivion, you know, Fallout 3, big games like that, there's all kinds of mods that the community puts out there and it's all free. Whereas you can't get any of that on the console. What do you think, Max? I, uh, no, no comments. I mean, those are those are essentially, yeah, <laughs> those those points are true. Those statements are true. <laughs> uh, I feel, I I really I feel bad because Jeff is quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to say, I think I might jet, because this isn't really my world, but... Um, not not your turf, you got to go read some books on murdering men. All right. No, it's past my bedtime. I'm going to hit the sack, I think. Oh, man, it's rough. All right, dude. All right, well, before you guys... um, You're going to leave too, Max, or are you going to stick around? No, I'll stick around for a little bit. Well, before... Uh, Jeff leaves. I, you know, I want to, I want to take the opportunity to thank both of you guys for being on the air. I want to also thank Spike TV for taking a chance on, on my little show, and uh, helping me out. And definitely appreciate the knowledge and insight you, both of you have brought to the show this evening. Um, Jeff, pleasure. I'm definitely gonna, you know, I'm gonna contact you off site, you know, off show just to cover a few things. I definitely want to check out the uh, David Grossman book and Wired for War and. You know, definitely want to keep in contact. And when the show is, uh, when Deadliest Warrior Season 2 is on, I really would uh, love to have you guys back on to cover that. Or even if you guys want to be on just to shoot the shit, you know, I, w I would appreciate that. More than happy to, man, honestly. Um, uh, I think you got a great show going on here, and I'm always, uh, you know, willing to, to help you guys out. And, uh, and Max, hit the Twitter thing, too. I mean, uh, that's how we met Richard, and I think it's a great way to communicate. I probably talked to... Uh, you know, 10, 15 fans a day, and not not the same ones either. So it's uh, it's a great way to to stay in touch. And uh, if you're a fan of the show, yeah, man, awesome. It's a good okay, guys. All right, man. Bye. All right, take care, dude. See you in a couple weeks. You bet. Take care. Thanks for Thanks again, Richard. Jeff. You bet. All right, bro. Bye. Bye. All right. Any any other anything else you wanted to add, Cass? Uh, not that I can really think of. There's ups and downs to PC gaming and console gaming. I like to have a mixture of both. There's some games that I like playing more on my 360. There's some games I like playing more on my PC. It just depends what it is. And it's, yeah. you know, it's all down to preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I prefer to play shooters on the PC just because I like the fast controls of the mouse versus sticks, you know. Right. Yeah, me too. And, and actually they did, um, what was it? I'm trying to remember... Was it Shadowrun? I want to say where it was. Uh, it was PC and Xbox Live, and you could play against. Yes, each it other. was. Yeah, it they was. had achievements built into that for like you know not getting your ass killed by a guy who had his mouth sensitivity cranked all the way to hell up. I definitely yeah. think that they should definitely go in that direction, especially with games. And you know, um, Cast touched on it, and I definitely want to add to it in the sense that you know. There's definitely going to be parallels, and there's definitely going to be differences in the quality of the game, but the overall presentation should allow both Microsoft products to be on, on, on the same playing field, even if it's, uh, you know, like settings and things to keep things balanced. You know, it's a game, like a game like Street Fighter Four. It's like it's a fighting game. Why not allow uh, PC gamers to fight console gamers and put achievements on the line? I, th I think it would, um, you know, nudge the PC market a little bit, 
and you know just uh, open up the playing field uh, for open, fair competition between PC and console gamers. I'm not saying every game, but you know at least yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Where it's, games where it's like appropriate. Street Fighter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Cass. Go ahead. It would be a smart business move, and on uh, especially Microsoft's part, and they seem to be kind of going in that direction a little bit with uh, Windows Live games, where you can get achievements for games that you play on your PC, and they're displayed on your 360 gamer card or whatever, gamer score. And it, you know, it seems like they're kind of looking in the right direction, but they haven't really crossed it yet. Yeah, yeah, and you know, part of that, part of that is, you know, there there is money to be made there, but in the end, it's also developer time costs a lot of money, and you know, to get to get somebody to you know work it out technically, which I'm sure it's a hurdle they only have to cross once, uh, where you can play between the two networks is, you know, like that's it's not. It's non-trivial. I mean, somebody's got to take care of it. And then you get into all kinds of design issues where you're worried about balancing uh, for controls back and forth, um, you know, like things where you are trying to balance, you know, the differences in, you know, the quality of, of the accuracy of the controls between a PC and, and uh, 360 uh, for something like a shooter, but, you know, or, uh, or a strategy game, you know, like there aren't enough buttons really to have as many inputs as you'd like on a console. Whereas there, you know, you've got a full right. keyboard on a PC, and you know how do you how you balance and design interfaces so uh, you know somebody can go up against like a champion StarCraft player, you know, on on their 360 and still be able to pull off a win, you know. So it, it becomes non-trivial in terms of you know designer uh, time as well, you know, balancing it, playtesting it, making sure that it's fun for both parties. But you know, for something like Street Fighter 4, I can't see you know a, a reason why not. I mean, just plug in your 360 controller. Gonna say it's USB, you know, just like hook it up to your PC and have at it, you know. Yeah, this is true. And it saves a lot of the, you know, the problems. Like I have left for Dead for 360 and PC because I have friends that play it on 360. I have friends that play it on the PC. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, exactly. You know, I'm able to play with everybody, and it would really help that problem along if the programmer somehow found a way to let us connect. You know. Oh, it's it's definitely possible. It's just you know, it's expensive. Yeah, I think I think that a game like World of Warcraft, uh, just to use that as a more mainstream example, would translate well if you did console and PC. Because Microsoft, in in the interest of them making money, they can easily say, "Hey, we're going to put World of Warcraft on the console, and you're going to be able to pick up a special Xbox 360 keyboard to play, or a keyboard and mouse controller that you can play uh, that game with against." Uh, when you know Windows users or PC users in general, I think that games of that magnitude would benefit from such a, a large user base on both ends. Because you know, just imagine playing a game and you know, like StarCraft or World of Warcraft. You know, games of that that large of a scale with console and PC. I think that the possibilities would be fantastic, just because it would it would you know it would allow people to just see see how the other side of the world lives. You know. Right. In terms of I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if it's that bad though. I mean, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, I say it would get into um, a lot of legal issues. I think, especially in terms of like World of Warcraft, where they would having be having to. Uh, I don't know if they charge. You know, how would they charge the 360 users for monthly service? Because I'm sure they'd want to do that. And just a lot of you know the internet and access 
imagine things could be slower on the console or I just there'd be a lot of different factors I think if you were to do something like that. Valid point. I didn't think of it that yeah. way. You know what it is and, and that's just me talking from the you know, I don't play PC games that much. I think the most I play on a PC is fucking Monopoly. <laughs> and um <laughs> and you know and Yahoo and Yahoo Pool or and, Get you know, off my internet. My, Exactly. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, my, my basic uh, PC gaming knowledge goes into that. I think, you know, that Facebook and MySpace, uh, they found a new niche, though, with, you know, all those mobsters games and Vampire Diaries yeah, yeah, and Armville yeah. and all that shit. I think they've, they've, they've crossed that gap of people just playing, you know, little, little tiny games that, you know, might not have big significance, but there's tons of people playing them because I see it all the time, people I know. Oh, so and so grew corn in Farmville. You want to play? I'm like, no, I don't want to grow <laughs> fucking corn with you. <laughs> oh, dude, you should try yeah. it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Grow some corn, bro. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, my girlfriend Thanks. plays it. I uh, I look at that shit and I'm just like, you're. She's like, I have to check my crops, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And she's like, no, I have to go and check my crops. So I'm watching her check, you know, and and I saw one of the guys at work. Uh, he was trying the mobsters game. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, is this how how far gaming has come where the casual gamers are, you know, just <laughs> really really coming in now with 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 such little itty bitty games? It's like it's like you're playing Farmville, but you wouldn't play a game like The Sims, which is the same shit, you know, or or Sim City, even though it's a virtual yeah. person trying to survive. It's it's ridiculous. And when Nintendo Dogs came along, I mean, how many variants have you seen of that? There's yep. so many, even, you know, as far as apps go, and companies are making tons of money with that now. Yeah. Jumping on the old Tamagotchi bandwagon. I remember that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a smart move from Nintendo, I mean, taking such a novel idea, but, you know, integrating it with consoles today, it's it makes sense. And I think everybody just kind of looked at that and saw how much money they were making, and, you know, like so many ideas, they decided to do the same thing. There you go. Nice. Yes. All right. Anything else you want to add, Cass? I just want to go into the letter bag real quick because we got 20 minutes of show yep, left. That's it. I'm, I'm good. Thank you very much. I always appreciate right. your call. Thanks for coming and on. I, and, and the yeah. chat room is a flutter. And the chat room is a flutter because of the sound of your voice. And once again, <laughs> I tell them, in, I tell them in the chat room to stop making us look like non-booty-getting nerds. So please. You know, go in there and set them straight. <laughs> All right, I will do that. Thanks a lot, Cass. All right, no thanks problem. for coming on. Bye. Right. Yeah, man, I think I got a jet too. <laughs> it's, it's All right, sir. I'm, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just gonna go through the letter bag, but uh, thanks again for being on. I'm gonna, you know, communicate with you and Jeff off show. Yeah, just yeah, to, yeah. You know, shoot the yeah. shit. But um, Deadliest Warrior season two in spring. Um, once again, if you want to check it out, go to SpikeTV.com to download any of the episodes and to check out episodes of The Aftermath as well. Am I right? Uh, yeah, excellent. The Aftermath as well. And don't forget to check out uh, Landmines.org uh, as well. Take a look at sort of yes. like our favorite uh, charity. That. Yeah. I will post a link on the uh, show site. And definitely, right. you know, you and Jeff are on anytime, man. Awesome, man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, bro. Have a good night. All right, you too, dude. Bye. All right, bye. All right, you've just heard, of course, uh, 
Max Geiger and Jeff D. Moline from The Deadliest Warrior. Uh, I'm glad that they actually hung around for the majority of the show. Um, a lot of shit definitely kind of fell off the plate this week. Um, I'm just going to try and run through a few things, plus do the letter bag. Uh, the PSP Go dropped today. It is a uh, $250 portable gaming machine that, in my eyes, is pretty cool looking. I actually got to play with it uh, earlier this week, and um, it, it, I was definitely wowed by it. I was playing Rock Band on it and found it to be quite entertaining. Um, the concept of dropping 250 bucks on it, though, not so much. I am going to say, and you know, I'm more than sure that you know, if anybody's listening, they might be a little annoyed uh, in terms of purists, but I'm going to wait to see what the modding community does with that system before I go and drop 250 bucks. I think that at the end of the day, you know, that's something that for a portable gaming system, it's going into um, steep territory. You know, 250 is serious business. I mean, you know, 179, 180, I can understand. But when you're going 250 for a uh, non-hard, um, non-disc-based console, it's, you know, it's crazy. I think that the PSP Go, while successful, you know, I'm particularly disturbed at the fact that they, uh, the initial um, allowing people to um, take their UMDs and trade them in for uh, the downloadable versions of the game, I thought that was a great selling point, and I actually thought Sony was going to go in the right direction. It seems that, unfortunately, that, uh, that method of thinking fell to the wayside, reason being that, you know, they must have thought to themselves, you could just make money um, getting it, you know, the hard way. Basically, um, Joystick.com's Griffin McElroy touched on it, and John Culler from Sony said that, um, you know, they were mulling over a goodwill campaign to allow UMD owners to trade in their games for uh, digital PSP Go versions. He stated that the situation has changed, and at the Tokyo Game Show, a spokesman for Sony uh, reported to Kotaku that the UMD conversion program due to legal and technical reasons cannot be offered at this time. You know, it definitely hurts anybody who had the intention of being an early adopter just because, you know, I personally, if I would have still had my PSP, I would have gotten the, the PSP Go because it's, it's smaller, more portable, just feels like a sturdier system, you know, has good sliding mechanisms. Overall, I think it was, you know, a great, you know, a great little piece of hardware that Sony came out with. But once again, price becomes a factor in terms of them winning any type of console war, particularly from the essence of, you know, 169, 179 for the uh, DS or DSi versus, you know, $250 for a quote-unquote comp competing system that, yes, it does a lot more, but at the end of the day, the the games that are coming out for the system aren't being marketed as such. I mean, you know, the inclusion of the PlayStation 1 games is a step in the right direction, and I think that, you know, playing the PlayStation 1 games on the PSP Go will add some shelf life to the system, but price right off the bat is going to be a, a definite hindrance. I think in November, you know, we'll start seeing if the PSP Go is, uh, you know, a one-trick pony, or if it's going to be something that's going to get pushed more seriously um, as a complement to the PSP. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't want to go into it too much because there's not too much show left. We actually have 15 minutes of show time, so I want to get into uh, this week's letter bag. And my question from last week was, um, 
you know, what were your thoughts on the Tokyo Game Show, and what games are you looking forward to the most? Uh, the first question comes in from Ant, who, while he did email this week, will not be eligible for the contest since he won a prize already. Nonetheless, I will read his email, and he said, Seriously, this year's Tokyo Game Show was absolutely lame. It was the worst one I've ever seen, bar none. There's nothing that really interested me. For the sake of answering this positively, I'll stretch as far as I can to find something interesting. He said, No More Heroes 2, uh, while good, didn't offer anything new. Uh, Forza 3, while interesting, he said he wasn't a big uh, Sim Racer fan. Final Fantasy 14 Online, he also said was interesting, but he's not a big fan of the Final Fantasy series. Uh, you know, he ran down the gamut, Dead Rising 2, Crackdown 2, but nothing interests him. Uh, he took the opportunity to shit on Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker and said that he is tired of Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, to close out his email, he said that uh, no new IPs have interested him enough this year from the Tokyo Game Show. Um, the only thing he did say, though, was that Dead Rising 2 kind of has him ex excited, as does No More Heroes 2. I definitely appreciate Ant's email, but, um, you know, he, I, he wasn't on this week for me to tell him that he was ineligible. Um, Ancient Wolf, uh, or Wolf, who was one of our earlier callers, said that, uh, for me, Tokyo Game Show really didn't have anything, really, any, anything major announcement-wise that was ground-shaking. The biggest surprises for me were Super Street Fighter 4 being leaked out and Lost Planet 2. The rest of the lineup was pretty much expected and on par. The reason I say Lost Planet 2 was that after the demo being released and reading the announcement, I played the demo and it was fun as hell and kept the action moving. The biggest disappointment was really the show itself on not pushing anything new. Well said, well said. Uh, Ark answered also. She said, uh, there are a handful of titles that were brought to my attention this year at Tokyo Game Show. Uh, she said, Super Meat Boy for the Wii probably surprised me the most. This is odd for me because it is indeed a 2D platforming game, but it is a gorgeous 2D platforming game that looks to be as fun as it is pretty. Another thing that was exciting is the possibility of an old-school soundtrack. If the initial gameplay footage is, in fact, playing the game soundtrack, I think I'll be a happy camper. I'm definitely keeping an eye on this, and hopefully a decent price is attached to the game. I'm going to have to definitely look up this game, because any game that's called Super Meat Boy definitely has to be interesting, just because the title is so fucking weird. Uh, Cross Treasures for the DS... She said looks interesting because of the way it's set up. It almost looks as if it may be simple, a simple enough RPG for the greenest gamer to pick up and have fun with, uh, to have fun with tried and true gamers. It takes a formula of creating your own world, but it has it connect with other worlds with up to three other people. To me, this makes a game a lot more accessible and personal. If this is executed correctly, this could be a major hit. She also said, Death by Cube for Xbox Live Arcade looks deliciously satisfying. Has a way with words. While the puzzle aspect looks to be off, of, off one of the carts of Geometry Wars train, this game looks like it could provide me with hours of enjoyment. There's nothing like seeing a spray of red on a white and gray tile floor to satisfy the wolf-faced monkey that resides within. Well said. One of the most surprising for me was the game Nino Kuni for the DS. Not since the days of the early Final Fantasy games, has an outside art direction made me feel excited. I enjoy the work of Yoshitaka Amanu immensely and feel that those early games have indirectly captured the emotion of feeling of his images. That being said, 
to have that once again, but this time with the creative genius that is Studio Ghibli is quite alluring. This is another game I'll keep my eye on. And of course, you made it a point to mention Super Street Fighter 4 with the additional characters and possibilities of what could be. This is very exciting news for me. Uh, the last email comes in from O'Malley, and uh, he writes, uh, Tokyo Game Show games I'm looking forward to checking out. Near Replicant for the PS3, Yakuza 4, Splinter Cell Conviction, Dead Rising 2, Parasite Eve the Third Birthday, White Knight Chronicles, Final Fantasy 13 and Versus 13, Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which I need to play immediately. Uh, there was quite a few others, but I don't think you want to spend the whole show with just one damn list. All right. I want to thank uh, all of them for emailing this week. And let me just uh, throw my little hat in the ring here and see who is the winner of this week's contest. And the winner is Ark. Ark is the winner for this week's contest. So, Ark, when you get a chance, uh, email me your address to mtrhost.gmail.com and which console you would like uh, points for so that I can forward it to you. I think you only have the 360 and I think the DS. So, by all means, just forward me, if you want Xbox Live points, your address, and I will get them out to you. Uh, with that said, and nine minutes of show left, I just once again wanted to thank Max Geiger and Jeff D. Moline for calling in and providing insight to the first season of The Deadliest Warrior as well as the second, and also for taking the live calls and sticking around to touch on some of the concepts that we normally discuss on the show. Um, on the flip side, uh, those of you that tuned in wanting to hear, you know, the, our normal topics of MMA, uh, wrestling, games and expanded game news. Um, I apologize that things uh, fell by the wayside given uh, the guests that we had. Nonetheless, I feel that, you know, their their contributions to the show were immeasurable versus the stuff I probably rage about over the coming weeks. Uh, nonetheless, um, there may be uh, not a bonus show, but I'll probably put up things with Audio Boo either on the Facebook fan page or on the My Take Radio site itself that um, will allow me to cover some of the topics that I may have missed. I also uh, wanted to do the roundtable segment. Unfortunately, things ran a little short. Nonetheless, uh, next week all those items will be covered. Um, I just want to give plugs, of course, to Spike TV. Uh, you can go to spiketv.com to check out some of their programming, as well as episodes of the Aftermath of the Deadliest Warrior, as well as the episodes of Deadly's, Deadliest Warrior from Season 1. So Spike TV definitely gets the first plug of the night. Uh, Shout-outs to my boys at vgnradio.com, clevelandsportsradio.com, uh, 411 Mania for providing me with a lot of the great news that I can rage on uh, during the broadcast, OC Remix for their great uh, video game remixes, E10 Clothing for putting out badass clothing, as well as Eris Clothing. Uh, my friend Heartless is trying to be an up-and-coming clothing designer. He has some great designs. Go to erisclothing.com, A-E-R-E-S clothing.com, and check out some of the stuff he has to offer. E10 Clothing is working on their spring line, so their site does not have any clothing at the moment. Nonetheless, check those guys out there, hardworking entrepreneurs just trying to get their feet wet. And, you know, I'm trying to do my part to 
help their dreams come true, as cliched and lame as that sounds. Um, as for me, um, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Akuma25 is the screen name. You can look for me on Twitter and follow all my uh, myriad of complaining, ranting, and bullshitting. Uh, you can look me up on MySpace. It's uh, myspace.com slash rb19ad. My page is on private, but if you say you're a fan of the show and you actually seem like a good egg, I will add you. Uh, you can check out the My Take Radio Facebook fan page. Of course, punch in My Take Radio on Facebook. And as for the My Take Radio website itself, it is live, and I am putting content up. It is My Take Radio altogether one word dot wordpress dot com uh, slick like I said has become uh, one of the uh, correspondents he will be putting up reviews on various games and movies that will be discussed uh, in brief during the show but you can read the detailed reviews on the site feel free to comment on the site on any of the reviews or any of the stuff I put up as well as the Facebook fan page and as always MTR host at gmail.com is where you can reach me. And to close it out, uh, the question for next week's show. Um, of course, as cliched as it is, we get into October, we get into Halloween, and um, I want to know what are your top three uh, horror genre games that you like, and I'd like to know your top three must-see horror movies that no matter how many times you've seen them, they're still scary and they're still good to watch. So again, uh, two-part question. Uh, top three horror video games that you think you know set the standard for the genre and your top three horror movies that you can enjoy. Uh, ooh, looks like we have uh, some callers with five minutes left. I think uh, we got Slick on there. Let me drag him in real quick. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? <clears throat> What's going on? Uh, I think I caught the question. You said the top three horror movies. Yep, top uh, three, top three horror movies and uh, top three uh, horror mo- horror games. Hmm, horror movies. Uh, really got to take it back to the classics. Things like uh, The Shining, uh, Psycho, and I think maybe like the first alien. Nice. Horror games, I mean you gotta throw in the original Friday the thirteenth for the NES just because everybody said it was hard as shit. <laughs> and, nice. Uh a little more current, a game like Dead Space and um Just a good measure of, like, the original Resident Evil. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I definitely um, can say off the bat, uh, Resident Evil, definitely on that list. Um, Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, definitely on that list. And... Ah, what the hell. And 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 as awful as it is, but I definitely felt that Splatterhouse was a good addition <laughs> to horror movie games. Splatterhouse is a guilty pleasure for me, so I had to give that game some love. Um, in terms of the three horror movies, um, I would have to say 
definitely the original Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween 2, which definitely gave me a fear of hospitals. I mean, Halloween 1, of course, is an original, but Halloween 2, just because of the, 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 the loneliness and creepiness of the hospital environment. And um, number three, I'd have to definitely say Phantasm, and I'd probably tie that with um, the Blair Witch Project. And, I'll, and a lot of people will probably give me shit for it, but the Blair Witch Project, the Blair Witch Project, the first one, not the shitty sequel, but the Blair Witch Project itself was something that you hadn't seen before because when you watched that movie initially, you had no idea if it was a documentary gone wrong, if it was just a you know a, a lame attempt at, at, at you know independent filmmaking. Overall, I think the Blair Witch Project set the standard in terms of adding a, a, an air of realism to horror movies. I was kind of torn about putting Scream on that list because it brought horror movies back uh, into the spotlight. But, you know, I think for me, those three movies I'd consider to be, you know, top three movies that whenever they're on, I'll watch. And, um, you know, with Halloween coming around, I felt it was cliched. And it's good that you called in because now that you're kind of a uh, contributor for the show, it uh, removes you out of the contests. So it's a good conflict of interest that was removed. Well, that works for me. There you go. All right. Well, with that said, there's a there's a minute left. Let me just uh, clean up some business here. The reports. All right, brother. Thanks again for calling in. All right. Later, man. Peace. All right, with that said, this closes out My Take Radio episode 13 uh, for our Thursday, October 1st. Thanks a lot, stupid lady, for fucking me up. 90 seconds. Um, anyway, My Take Radio episode 13 in the books, uh, Thursday, October 1st. Email me, mtrhost at gmail.com. Check out the My Take Radio Facebook fan page. And as always, uh, go to mytakeradio.wordpress.com to see some of the other stuff that uh, I'm adding to the show that doesn't make it live. Anyway, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the support. All right, bitch, we get it. 60 seconds. Thanks again for everything, people. Peace.